Hello and welcome to a very special, probably one-off, E3 special of the Final Games Podcast. This is going to be incredibly different from the usual show, as many of you will probably find out. (laughs) So, with E3 happening, obviously it's been very exciting. I am one of those terribly, almost fanboyish type people. E3 is my favorite time of year, for obvious reasons. And I wanted to chat about it with some of the best people I know who talk about games. So joining me today, I have some wonderful, I have four wonderful people uh, to chat with me today. Um, So we're going to talk about E3 and we're going to talk about the games and the conferences um, and just basically spitball about what's happened this week. I imagine all of us are very tired. (laughs) So this is going to be very interesting. Uh, E3 is always a long and strenuous week for anyone who works in the games industry, but I appreciate the guys who've joined me today. So uh, I guess we'll do a quick roundtable of the people who are joining me first. Uh, So first up, we have Mr. Sean Cleaver, freelancer for websites such as Vice and GameSpot. Sean, thank you for joining me. No worries, thank you for having me. No problem. And then we have Mr. Chris Schilling, freelancer extraordinaire for Edge and Eurogamer and Kotaku and many other sites. Thanks for coming as well, Chris. Hello, no problems. And we also have Jordan King, trusted reviews extraordinaire in news reporting, who I've seen writing constant news reports during E3 <laughs> this week, uh, staying up late as well. So thanks for joining me as well, Jordan. Hello, good to be here. And we have Mr. Johnny Cullen, freelancer and the host of the wonderful My Favourite Game podcast. Thanks for joining me as well, Johnny. How? Thanks for having me. <laughs> Excellent. So guys... This is Final Games. Usually you'd be here to choose the eight games you'd be taking with you to a deserted island. But today we're going to talk about potentially people's future uh, Final Games that they might be taking. There are some good games that we've seen this week that are potentially worthy of taking to a deserted island. Uh, We obviously won't know until we all get our hands on them. Unfortunately, we are not in LA to be trying out the wonderful new games like all those lucky others. Um, But... We're going to talk about it instead. So I guess we could just go through the conferences as they chronologically happened. Um, so the first podcast, uh, the first podcast, the first conference we're going to talk about is obviously EAs.
So <laughs> I think I think for most the EA conference was the weakest that we saw this week. Um, I don't know about you guys, but they didn't really seem to show anything off. There was no live demos. There wasn't anything really to get excited about, apart from maybe a few things. So uh, I guess we'll start um, with you, Sean. What did what did you think of EA this week? Well, this is going to be a slightly interesting one because I was at the London EA play. Oh, yes, so, they had the so jewel have, thing, yeah. Yeah, so I have actually played some of the games that were there. Uh, but yeah, it did really feel like you didn't really see a lot on stage that was going on until you, after the um, after the conference and when we had a an hour and a half stream of celebrities doing whatever recreational things they do to play Battlefield. But <laughs> it was um, it was I think it's the weakest because it was the first and it wasn't the biggest. But they certainly done a lot there to change what EA do with uh, FIFA moving to Frostbite, which is going to be a developmental thing which will probably take a couple of years to progress forward anyway Titanfall yeah. 2 Battlefield 1 um with its new artistic and creative direction I suppose by going back to the world wars and an old history there were interesting things there but I think the thing that most people got excited about but didn't see enough of was <coughs> Star Wars and in particular the um the visceral games Star Wars IP that's happening I think a lot of people wanted a lot more about that than they got that video that video was a strange one because obviously they were like almost announcing like three games all at the same time um but we they were all kind of just bundled under the same it's weird to have that many companies together almost announcing their games at the same time under the same umbrella of obviously Star Wars and then we had this video that hopped between all the different companies uh, obviously mm. all wonder uh, working under EA um but we didn't really see anything apart from that small snippet of the work in progress for Amy Henning's game. Other than that, are we excited about what's prospectively going to happen with the Star Wars games? Yes, there are some like, good like, studios behind it. Can I just say up front, like, I was ready for anything on Amy Henning's uh, Star Wars game, even a CG uh, teaser. And even that five seconds just did it for me, <laughs> if I'm quite frankly honest, <laughs> because I love Amy Hennig's work. I, I, Uncharted 2 is one of my favourite games ever. It's in my top five. Um, Definitely. I, like, it's just such a phenomenal game, and and I'm always ready for whatever Amy Hennig does. She's just utterly fantastic, and like especially considering her passion for Star Wars. Um, like you just know that's going to make it extra special as well. So, yeah, I'm definitely in for whatever game she's making at Visceral. Excellent. Uh, anyone else on the Star Wars video? Well, the sort of announcement. We had Jade, uh, obviously Raymond came on as well. Um, she didn't really say much. She just kind of talked about what was happening already. We saw a lot of, uh, is it the iPhone game Galaxy Heroes and then obviously Star Wars The Old Republic, which is quite an old game now. Um, the recent expansions were pretty good, but uh, obviously we're all looking forward. The new Battlefield they were talking about that just sounded like an upgrade to the current mm. battlefield i, th I the think actually go going back to um the old republic that is kind of the weird aberration in all of this because it's one of those things that you think okay it's been around a while you can quite happily drop a bit of content if you want if you're working on something else and i think everybody's kind of hoping bioware pick up the mantle and go let's have nights of the old republic free or something like that please and there was nothing it was just like yeah we're going to carry on with that Plus, plus it, sorry, sorry, Sean. Um, like it's worth noting as well. The old Republic is part of the expanded universe as well. The now mm. kind of brushed aside stepchild, so to speak, in place of the old <laughs> and new trilogy and the paper trilogy. 
So that might be worth bearing in mind as well. Okay. Yeah, because will they be interested to add to that now? None of it's canon. I don't think it is anyway. Well, we have mm. the split universe, obviously. We have Legends and then we have what is the main canon universe. And obviously a lot oh, of the yeah, games, of especially the Battlefront that they were saying, oh, this is going to have, you know, Episode 7, Episode 8 uh, content. Um, whether that's going to be... Because they didn't say Battlefront 2 or they didn't say, like, Battlefront version 2. They just were like, there's a new Battlefront coming next mm. year. That, that, was that, apparently was in their, that was apparently in their financials uh, that they were going to do a new Battlefront in 2017, which... It interests me that it's a two-year cycle because I wonder what's going to happen to everything that's in Battlefront 1. Is that going to be playable in Battlefront 2? Are you going to have the same maps or is this just going to be, oh, that was old Star Wars and Battlefront 2 is new Star Wars and VR and everything else that we've got that we can do now. So it does seem a bit... As long as they're not going to really annoy their user base of Battlefield 1, it doesn't seem like a bad move. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Obviously, because <laughs> are we going to have like Finn and and obviously Ray facing off against like Luke and uh, Leia? In <laughs> but it, it could happen. Obviously, we've got the Lego Star Wars games that have combined universes all the time. Um, that's a little more cartoonish and less real. But do we see maybe Battlefront becoming this semi-annual franchise for EA if they realise they can sell a lot of copies? Maybe like I don't know, but going I... to push it with all the new films because i think that's what they did with the first one they like try to get it as close to force awakens as possible yeah because we had the dlc for jacku as well which oh yeah good point combined yeah. it bridged and, the gap between the two and from, from what i've heard it was one of those things that we didn't get a, a campaign mode in battlefront one because it was being rushed to tie in with the release in a way as well so with a bit more time and a bit more work maybe we will get a lot more out of battlefront if we get the next one as the movies progress as well so Okay, excellent. Well, speaking of sci-fi games, then obviously the one of the biggest announcements, well, not announcements, but one of the biggest things everyone was looking to for EA was the news on Mass Effect Andromeda. We sort of saw some of it. We saw how the engine's going to look and what we're going to kind of be doing. Um, a lot of people were displeased, maybe, that it was kind of like the Star Wars video where we saw a bit too much of the dev side, not so much of the game side. Um, Chris, what did what did you think of Mass Effect? I mean... I think uh, I think as with the the Star Wars stuff, certainly the Amy Hennig game. I think if they had sort of more tangible stuff to show off, they they would have. I think it's obviously the stuff that they have at the moment is not in a state of readiness to kind of show in any more detail. So their hand was forced a little bit. So they just had to kind of you know mix it up with the dev stuff and kind of just explain exactly what you know what they're working on and and what stage it's at. I mean, I think you... the footage that they did show looked very nice, but it's... I, I mean, I think it, essentially that they made the best of a bad lot, really. They didn't have enough to kind of really focus on it as much as, as maybe they wanted to. Okay. It, it definitely seemed like after two years, maybe they're having a little bit of trouble with development. I know Bioware have had a history of, you know, Old Republic kind of had a rocky development as well. Um I, when do we there obviously the gamescom but gamescom isn't that far away are we going to see any of mass effect andromeda this year because we have they, they have said that you will see more of it this fall my question is will they still have it out by early next year because they've said it's still coming early next year and judging by that like i don't want to prejudge too quickly because obviously like you said there is gamescom and there's also going to be other events 
small events yeah. maybe during the year but like my my thinking is whether we're still going to get it early next year like say february march mm. next year i don't know like i i'm, I'm like like that that showing just makes me think i'm not as convinced yeah. that we're going to see that early next yeah. year now I, i'm with you with that johnny because it's one, one of those things but my only pun on this game is this is it should be called uh, mass effect manifest destiny but it's, it's one of those things that we, you really don't see a lot of the game. You don't see a lot of the UI in the game or how the game plays. You just see sort of cinematics of it. And that's what worries me because I'm a, a big doubter, not of the Frostbite engine, but of the Frostbite engine on console. And the only two people that I think have really made it work that looks good, that isn't skipping frames or has issues with optimization has been uh, Battlefront and... Dragon Age Inquisition, which was also Bioware. But even then, it was still a bit... That game had a lot of bugs. Mm. So <laughs> that game I think... was rough around the edges, to say the least. And when you've got a game that is supposedly going to be the size of Mass Effect Andromeda, and you're trying to still learn from those bugs that you did and just move straight on from Dragon Age Mass Effect, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a worry that we're not getting any kind of gameplay for it when we've seen gameplay for a lot of other games during E3 that are due out around about the same time if not later are we seeing maybe a pushback because of the Xbox Scorpio uh, Neo type hardware that we might be seeing in the future nah I, I don't think so like like Scorpio's too far out I'd say for yeah. the effect bass effect so no I don't see it happening mm. okay. I think a lot, a lot of that kind of stuff from what the sounds of what people have been saying about Scorpio today is there's going to be games that will hot patch that kind of stuff in as and when the release dates come. Um, so I wouldn't see it's going to be a big a big issue, no. Okay. So obviously uh, one of the other big announcements leaked before the uh, actual conference started and they kind of made a joke about it was Titanfall 2 and it's a uh, single player mode that they're going to have. Titanfall was a great game originally. Uh, unfortunately, it kind of dropped off. I know a lot of people have a lot of love for that game. Um, did you get to play it while you were at the uh, London Play event, Sean? I did indeed. And it was um, it was very, very nice, but it did feel like Titanfall again. It didn't really feel that there was that much different. It was running smoother. I'm pretty sure, uh, we couldn't really find an answer. We're pretty sure it's the um, the Source engine still. Okay. So it's not really changed. Um, there's a lot of interesting things with the mechanics now. Um, when you jump on top of your mech uh, to rip somebody out, it's a two-pronged thing. So you have to jump on, rip the hatch off, then you fall off, and then you have to jump on again and then pull the person out. And it just sort of felt like, why is this not a whole sequence? Why are we having to do two things to do essentially one whole thing? And Yeah. The multiplayer mode sort of, didn't really give you a lot of clarification of exactly what you were supposed to do. Uh, we had to hunt bounties, but the bounties sort of appeared. It didn't really tell you why you were hunting the bounties. It didn't really feel like there was a point to it other than just shoot and blow things up, which is fine. <laughs> but when you've got a single-player campaign coming, which it's like um, a sort of rip-off a of flight of the Navigator, it's kind of a little bit worrying <laughs> because you think, hmm, what, what, how deep is this going to go in the gameplay mechanics for me yeah. to be able to really enjoy it so we obviously saw single player stuff as well and the single player looked really interesting it looked like the robots were kind of sentient 
and mm. uh, the robot's talking to uh, I guess is kind of like a not a navigator but kind of someone who obviously works in some sort of headquarters for the army that you work for resistance um what are we feeling about semi-sentient titans um dual weird partnerships that are probably going to appear in in the single player game does anyone sort of have thoughts about that are they excited about the single player i think so it's a fun angle to go with like a weird buddy cop movie between giant robots and pilots (laughs) pilots <laughs> well, I'm kind of worried if they add some new stuff to the single player how much that will impact the multiplayer because the first one was just so kind of tightly designed around that I hope they're not just making the single player just to shut people up in a way it's very interesting it, because I can't I wonder if it's going to be one of these things where obviously a lot of people moaned about it and not having single player in the first place Titanfall was great on its own uh, multiplayer wise and are we going to see some sort of kind of like tacky add-on, like a four-hour campaign similar to Call of Duty, maybe not in the same bombastic vein? Um, well, this is this is, this is coming from Vince Zampella, who's one of the co-creators of Call of Duty. Yeah. So, like, it's mm. worth knowing. Like, if they're going to do a campaign, they're going to do it right. It's, there mm. certainly will be nothing tacked on about it, especially if you consider like Zampella was at Infinity Ward whilst making some of the best Call of Duty games in the series, especially you know games like. 4 and Modern Warfare 2 and, and Call of Duty 2 so like I certainly don't think he'll get attacked on campaign that's for sure anyways okay I mean I think in some ways it's a good idea to have a campaign because I think just having multiplayer I, I think for a lot of games also that might have changed now but I think back then um you know, as an early sort of Xbox One exclusive where everyone was kind of gravitating towards the PS4, the the fact that it didn't have a campaign might have actually contributed to the lack of kind of stickability. It's like it got Titanfall got really good reviews and I think deservedly so, but at the same time it didn't really it didn't really stick. It you know, it, mm. it kind of had had an audience for a short while and then it kind of dropped off and everyone sort of forgot about it. It kind of didn't build the community and the lore around it the same way a lot of other games have. I I, I think you're right. It didn't have anything that sort of stuck it into the mud and said, look, this is one of the major characters as part of our Xbox exclusive franchise, which is probably why it's not Mm -hmm. one now. Obviously, we've recently seen Overwatch, and Overwatch has just been this incredible success. And they are obviously two completely different games. And I think what sells Overwatch a lot is because of the character. It makes up for that lack of single player. You learn so much about the characters just through their speech, their design, their look, and how they you know, interact with other characters on screen. Um, Overwatch, a little... Uh, uh, I mean, Timefall is a little less like that. Obviously, you've got a robot, a soldier, and that's like a lot of other games. So maybe the single player will help build that community, that sense of kind of hardcore community that that game probably deserves it's, it's worth and noting it would, that's, sorry sorry Sean go on I was about to say it would be interesting to sort of see how well they market it for the PS4 as well because this isn't going to be an Xbox exclusive this time so it's mm-hmm. going to be odd seeing how across the platforms they'll market it if they do market it across both PS4 and Xbox One in the same way they do other things and how much the PS4 audience will pick up on it when they've got a pretty stacked release schedule around about the same date. It's it's worth noting yeah. by the way as well, like Respawn have said that all 
maps coming in the future and all titans coming in the future mm. it's going to be free they're, they're not going to segregate it this time yeah. like, there's no season pass because they made the season pass for titanfall 1 free down the line i think about a year mm. after the game's release so like it's good that they're actually doing this and, and it's actually becoming a bit more of a trend now like you're going to start seeing more maps coming down mm. free as in a way to make sure the, the community isn't separated i like that that's a good that's a good call on uh on respawn and anonymous yeah agreed Excellent. Okay, so we're going to probably have to move on from EA now. Is there anyone who wants to say anything about uh, anything else, EA? Obviously, we had the FIFA 17 frostbite change and also <laughs> this brand new NBA 2K style story player, um, story mode. Anyone excited yeah. about that, perchance? Um, <laughs> anyone want so, to be Alex yeah. Hunter? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was interesting, and it was I, I think that the the great thing at the first point was like, oh wow, all the managers are going to be in the game as well, and then you suddenly realise, oh no, that means Alan Pardew's in this, Sam Allardyce is in this. <laughs> it, yes. I hope you, you get oh, to yeah, be Big be Sam and Jurgen, and then there's going to be like, oh no, there's all these other people as well. I'll be very upset if I don't get to play as Big Sam. Just. <laughs> ranting and raving on the touchline like a qte and you could sort of wave your yeah. arms about or you could have like a qte dance off or alan yeah. pardew and that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> they'll have well, to increase have... the peggy rating for it won't they if it, it features <laughs> dance. certainly the cockiness rating that's for sure <laughs> I, mean, I have to say FIFA's, fifa's gonna sell because fifa always sells but always. it is in a transitional year it's not that great on the frostbite engine yet it's actually it actually doesn't look as good as it did on the on the ignite engine but fifa will sell for the next couple of years because it always does and it will get over this hump and it will it will carry on just like it did when it moved from next gen and the gen before that because it was it was fifa 14 that changed to the ignite engine wasn't it and i i remember that one was quite rough they obviously Mm. they changed the defensive system and that felt very strange compared to 13 which i felt refined from 10 11 12 which were all very good games um so it'll be very interesting to see obviously ea is shifting most of their games to the frostbite engine now so hopefully all those teams can trade information trade optimization skills and that kind of stuff so we see this consistency maybe and hopefully and it's good to see that you can do so many different things with an engine. I mean, as I said, we've got Dragon Age, we've got first-person shooters, we've got um, now two sports games on the Ignite engine and the um, Frostbite engine. Sorry, so it is definitely interesting to see what the versatility of that engine is, and it's easy to see why EA have just gone right, run engine, everybody do because you can do what, you want. <laughs> what, what, what was the second game? Like, I, I thought I only uh, saw one of FIFA. Matt, it was uh, no, uh, Rory Rackamore, uh, Rory McElroy's. Oh on, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That game... I said about that, the better. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that game <laughs> yeah. sold very well at all, did it? <laughs> oh, okay, so we're going to move on from EA now to what was chronologically the next uh, conference. So let's talk about Bethesda. So, Bethesda, uh, I actually missed this one. Um, I was sleeping in Japan, <laughs> so uh, I had to watch it afterwards. Uh, we saw, uh, first off, Quake Champions. Um, 
I'm not the biggest Quake player in the world. I wasn't back in the day. Uh, any of you guys super excited about this? I know a lot of people are jumping at Quake coming back. Doom obviously has come out and has surprised almost everyone. Uh, and it's it's excellent. Uh, so are we happy to see Quake? Or what are we thinking about Quake Champions? Intrigued, I think. But I'm reticent to make any kind of decision on on what I think of it until I actually see what it's about. Because we've got Doom that's been redone, we've got Wolfenstein, and now we've got Quake. We seem to have 10 years' worth of, of id uh, properties releasing within a, a three-year <laughs> period, and I worry whether they're going to overcrowd themselves a little bit. It's kind of strange, really, because um, Rage came out, and Rage, m- mediocre reception. Uh, some people liked that game, a lot of people didn't. Uh, there was a lot of technical issues with it. But since then, we've seen like Wolfenstein received great reviews surprised everyone doom i remember the doom e3 press conference last year people are kind of like that looks weird and i think some people were excited but not as much as we expected now doom has been obviously this great success for bethesda now um and it was good so we maybe we're seeing this consistent line now where these games are getting the bethesda touch not in a buggy way (laughs) like more traditional bethesda games um, so we could be seeing a good Quake game coming. It's been a long time. By the way, it's what free to play. I'd say Quake probably. It's, 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 it's a hero, it feels like it's going to be a hero shooter. Yeah. Like Overwatch. Yeah. It might go so, in the direction of Unreal Tournament, because I think that's free to play now. There, yeah, the brand new one on PC. Um... But that hasn't really had much behind it. Obviously, Bethesda can push this off the back of Wolfenstein being good and Doom being good. And being, hey, look, did you enjoy these games? Because we're making a game very similar to that. Remember old school fast-paced shooters? Well, this is what you want to be playing. But the yeah. the the add-on title of Champions does seem to assume it's kind of this hero-like game. Not yeah. in a MOBA, but more of the Overwatch type. I, I am a little bit worried as well. I think it's, it might be something we come on to with Bethesda as a whole is that they are making a lot of new IPs and doing a lot of interesting things, but they are creating and making these things on the back of nostalgia. And it is one of those things that the last the last Quake game proper was Quake 4, which was, I think, almost a launch title for the 360, if I remember rightly. Yeah, correct. It was and that, very I, early, very early on, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which we'll come on to another one of those shortly, I think, in the same conference. <laughs> but it's um, it is worrying sort of to see that there's not there's names and there's ideas, but there's not a lot of hey, this is what we're doing. At least when we saw Doom, we knew what Doom was going to be like. We could we could tell that because there's there's a gun, there's rock music, and there's aliens being kicked in the face. But with, with Quake, there, there's not enough there for me to sort of go right. I'm interested in playing this because I don't know what I'm playing yet. And I think that's what um, that's what is keeping me back from it a bit. Yeah. So, obviously, I forget the order of how the conference went, but By we way, but then pre- had... Sorry, can I just jump in and yep. say, concerning we're still on Ed, like, did anyone spot the Wolfenstein teaser? Like, it wasn't a full-blown, oh, oh my Colossus. God, the teaser. New Colossus like, or something, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, hidden right at the start. Uh, of the boot up sequence for the conference, like they had the old Wolfenstein yeah, games. Colossus with the um with the X X X X X X on the date. Yeah, the new Colossus. Yeah, like like I'm quite well. Actually, no, I'm not quite surprised because truth be told, I was expecting something on a new Wolfenstein game. But yeah, 
It's just they're just teasing jerks now, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we sort of saw I forget the order, but we we saw in the conference as well uh, a bringing back of a game that was announced last year. Uh, Bethesda's sort of Hearthstone rival. I can't imagine it ever reaching those heights. We saw the Elder Scrolls Legends card game. Um, mm. Anyone excited about that? Chris, Jordan, do you like card games? Did that appeal to you at all? Uh, not at uh, all. It, it kind of feels like everyone's though. doing. Yeah, it kind of feels like everyone's doing that thing now. It's like Hearthstone was a massive success, so let's all make a card game. I mean, there's even the Fable one, isn't there? Now that's kind of struggling a bit on Kickstarter. That was Kickstarter, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't. I can't really see it taking off massively. I think Bethesda is kind of popular enough to maybe kind of find a, an audience for it, but I don't know. It didn't interest me really. And annoyingly, it's it, it's going to be killed by Grant. But if you put a game like that into Elder Scrolls Online as a mini game and made it build up its own fan base, then it probably would do really well. But kind of like Triple Triad, kind of yeah. like Triple Triad in Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah. Um. Then we saw more of Dishonored Two. We had leaks of that before as well. Um. Battle Dishonored Two. Dis- can I just say that's going to be a running yeah. theme for this episode? Leaks. There were leaks. lots of leaks. <laughs> so many. Yeah, there was a lot of leaks. Um, which is kind of... I don't know, a lot of people have uh, a lot of issues with that. Some people obviously like the surprise of the conference, but that's not really something we're here to talk it, about today. Um, it, I do have to say, though, it did alarm me how accurate... Because there, there were leaks of the running orders of conferences. It, it was alarming how accurate they were. I was even wondering whether the leaks account was secretly Phil Spencer. At times, because it was so accurate. There was only only one leak that wasn't accurate, and that was the end of the Ubisoft one. Because, like, there was some guy uh, who calls himself an analyst uh, of the industry on Twitter who leaked the running order, the exact running order. Because, at least with Microsoft, they kind of shuffled it up. But with Ubisoft, it was the exact running order down to a T. But he said there was two new games for the end. Obviously, one of them was that new snowboarding game, there was another new game. That was actually supposedly pulled at the last minute. Ah. Um, Yeah, which I think is in in reaction to, uh, obviously, the traffic events in Orlando. I think Mm. there's been a few of that, hasn't there? Yeah, yeah. there was a lot of that um, this weekend. Obviously, people got a bit annoyed at EA to begin with. Um, Understandably, a lot of companies then fixed that. And there was, the obviously, the touching tributes from each company uh, before their uh, conferences or videos. Um, So then we saw more of Dishonored 2. Uh, Dishonored, obviously, a very well-received game. Uh, pretty good. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Dishonored originally. Um, Dishonored 2 looks very nice, but kind of looks more of the same. Uh, I don't know about how you guys are feeling. That. Who is a Dishonored fan here? Who liked Dishonored, the original? I did. I, like, I certainly thought it was definitely an interesting take on the self-genre. Um, like, I, I actually only finished um, Dishonored this year on the Xbox One. Like I had I had I was playing on the Xbox three sixty um but like I got to the final edition and Xbox One finally got around to finishing it. Um yeah, um I really love how, um some of the gameplay systems in one, how you can mesh them together and now you can go through the game without using any powers at all. Like a proper hardcore stealth experience. Like kind of mm, I'm kind of trying to wanna compare it to something, but I I wanna say Thief, but that's not really fair, is it? Um but yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited for Dishonored too. Um, like if it's more of the same of one, bring it on. 
Mm. Okay. I, I definitely like the idea of the of the two protagonists having two different powers. Like mm. there's a different power set for each one, so it doesn't yeah. just feel like you're you're just playing a different avatar. Like um, say Assassin's Creed Syndicate, it was great, but you you are feeling like you're playing palette just, swaps. Yeah, I've, yeah. This will actually feel like you've got two distinct se- uh, separate characters, and that's that's quite interesting. I'd like to see how that will that will feel when I'm playing it. Dishonored two sort of felt like the most. Uh, finished, obviously, of all those titles. Then we saw sort of the new announcement, well, the bringing back again of another title they've, they'd have they already announced a few E3s ago. A Prey 2 is now just Prey. Um, and it had an interesting trailer that didn't hint at anything that Prey 2 was going to be like, this kind of bounty hunter in space. Now it's more this weird horror sci-fi. I was getting... Yeah, psycho um, bioshock feelings from the trailer um how are you guys feeling about prey then like i'm, I'm excited yes I, I, I really i really like that look of um this kind of dead space meets bioshock kind of craziness with a with an effigy of dave Dewitt being your your main character but it's, <laughs> it's, I, I looked at that and i just couldn't get it out of my head it's like no, no i spent why? i spent many years with dave in university and yeah he he's never got rid of that beard, so I, I th- I'm pretty sure he was born looking like that. <laughs> but Chris, what were you going to say? Uh, you were excited. Um, I mean, I'm interested. It, it'd be nice to see um, what Arcane's going to do with it. I do feel sorry for Human Head because I thought the original Prey was was really quite interesting. I mean, it was flawed, but it had some really interesting ideas. Like the the introduction was 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 brilliant mm. with the. Uh, don't fear the Reaper plane when it's like an alien invasion. Um, but I'm I'm interested. I mean, Chris Avalone's on board as well, so yes, that's you know, very there's, true. There's obviously plenty of talent behind it. So, but I mean, it, it it's too hard to judge what it's going to be like from a CGI trailer. So, I'm mindful of kind of trying to speculate too much about what it's going to be like. Johnny, uh, you you recently had Chris on your podcast, didn't you? Um, are you excited that Chris is on board with that project after um, speaking to him? Yeah, absolutely. Like he's like I spoke to him actually uh, before my favorite game, um, quite a few years back when I was still kind of relatively green in the games industry. And um, I was about a year in at BT twenty four seven, or yeah, about a year in. And uh, I spoke to Chris about following New Vegas, and it was most the most banal interview ever because like I was asking questions about the most green and trivial stuff. But um, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, like Chris feels like the most perfect person in the world to, to tackle that world and i'm so excited to see him uh you know uh, to write that game like well it's, it's worth knowing he's not the head writer on the game like it's going to be raf colantonio and someone else mark kane who's leading the writing on that i can't remember the name of the other guy but uh, okay. I'm, ver- I'm very excited to see chris take that on and um, it's worth noting as well like um Chris mentioned um, Human Head as well, and and what they did with Prey One. It's also worth noting as well what they did with Prey Two. Um, I, I saw Prey Two in its Human Head form quite a few times in uh, at Gamescom, at Eurogame Expo, and quite actually before all those um, at a pre free event a few years ago in uh, the United States. And I really loved what they were doing with it. It was quite a different tone to what Arcane's going for now. Like it was very action based. You had the bounty hunter you had um uh um what was the name of the main character from prey one could someone remind me um, tommy 
Tommy. Tommy uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I was thinking it was Tommy, but then I was wondering if I was confusing it with the guy from the darkness. Um, but, um, Jackie but, has to call it. <laughs> but, yeah, I, 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 I'm excited to see what Arcane do with it. Um, I, mm. The trailer had a very mishmash of, like, at least for me, you know, it's like it had a mishmash of Bioshock, but also um, System Shock and actually um, XCOM to an extent. Like, not the strategy XCOM reboot that, that Dick Solomon's done, but like more. You may remember a few years ago, like 2K Marin was working on an XCOM FPS, which had Jordan yeah. Thomas working on. Jordan Thomas was the creative director of Bioshock 2. And actually, I should plug this up front. Sorry, Jordan Thomas is going to be on my favorite game uh, in a few weeks. <laughs> but, Get out, banned. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I definitely had feelings that trailer had a mishmash of um, yeah, Bioshock, System Shock, and. Um, about, uh, 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 what was the other game I mentioned? Uh, oh, XCOM. And it's worth noting, mm. Chris mentioned System Shock 2 as one of his honourable mentions on, on his episode of My Favourite Game, so maybe that inclusion of it being mm. there, at least certainly in its inspiration, like, yeah. it's not, it, you know, uh, accidental. I think out, okay. of, out of all the games that we, we sort of seen throughout E3, it's, it's the only game where you sort of look at and you think, okay, so this game, there's a game here that was being made and Bethesda have gone we can make that prey. Like that maybe there was an idea germinating, maybe there was a plan maybe, rather than yeah. somebody say, say prey. Like somebody said, we've got this idea and somebody's gone, let's put this IP on it. Yeah. Interesting. And then they have the naming convention that everyone's going for now of just naming it after original games, which is starting to get very, very confusing the more games that get <laughs> announced. I'll, I'll give you seven to one odds on Donkey Kong, just straight Donkey Kong being announced. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nintendo are announcing a new IP today um, for the 3DS, so yes. who knows? Um, we'll it, yeah. yeah, so we're going to move on now uh, quickly because we've got a lot to talk about. Um, and the final few things they announced uh, a Skyrim remaster that was rumored beforehand. Um, do I, I wasn't bothered originally, but the more I thought about it, the more I feel like I kind of want to go back to Skyrim, but I don't want to play of what I definitely consider now to be sort of ugly character models. And obviously it's not just a HD upgrade. They've done like almost a complete rework of the world. So maybe we'll see updated character models as well. It feels too soon, but we've had, as Johnny mentioned before, the dishonored sort of, remastering for the current generation of consoles are you going to play it again i guess we don't need to talk about skyrim everyone knows about skyrim let's just say sean are you going to play the skyrim remaster to death okay (laughs) what what about you jordan uh i think so i was quite surprised by how much better it looked when the trailer came out because i was just expecting like simple texture rework but it generally looks like worth playing I think with all the mods um, that are out there, they had to do something. Otherwise, it'd, it'd just be kind of pointless. And um, that is quite good that it's got that mod support, actually. Yeah. That's probably yeah. one of the most interesting things on it. And on consoles as well. And it's also free for anyone who owns the Skyrim Legendary Edition. Um, Chris, what about you? Uh, almost certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> Why I bounced so? off Skyrim massively. I'm just It just didn't click with me at all. Was that after 200 hours of play, or was this after a very short amount of time? Um, I I, was, I just found myself getting really bored with it. I was about 20 hours in, and then 
uh, you know, I, I was probably given something else to review, and I just got really bored of it. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> fair on. enough. And what about you, Johnny? What about you? Yes, but not immediately. Like, I had it on a day one, like, release list that I had for... So, I can't, I don't know if I should go on too long, but, like, I have a list of games that I've planned out to buy for myself for the end of the year, <laughs> whilst having to simultaneously juggle my backlog at the same time. And Skyrim was in there. But after Tuesday night, like I was gone, like too many games. Skyrim is it's like, coming out in October, isn't it? So yeah. it's coming out literally at the worst time, where most of the games at E3 I, are going to be released. I wouldn't that say it's September. coming out at the worst time. It's more like the wor- the the games have picked the worst spot to come in, especially like a game I'm sure we'll talk about later on. Um, yeah. The Last Guardian, like like we'll 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 get to that later on. So I I have yeah. thoughts on that later on. So we'll leave it there. But like yeah, I will play Skyrim, but. Down the line, maybe maybe for Christmas, maybe for Christmas. It feels like the perfect Christmas game, anyways. Yeah, just to sit down and play something safe and comfortable for a few hours over Christmas. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna so we're gonna move on from Bethesda now, and we're gonna talk about the first of the I guess big three. Um. So let's talk about Microsoft now. So Microsoft obviously came out last year, kind of weak. Sony blew them out of the water and this year maybe did the same. But I feel like Microsoft had a good showing overall. Uh, We had the whole conference leaked beforehand, but it still didn't change. I felt like they sort of were maybe sharing the love a little bit. They were trying to talk. Microsoft can't help but talk about like facts or something businessy but i feel like they were trying to hold that back a little more this year and uh they got the slim which is the new smaller 40 percent sized console out of the way to begin with and then got straight into the games are we feeling that the slim is redundant because of the obviously end announcement of the scorpio yes. yeah I, I mean i thought it was fascinating that um microsoft opened by revealing a console that by the end of the conference they'd essentially rendered obsolete. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that that's kind of a flippant way of putting it. I think I think it's aimed for a very different market. I think they're kind of aiming for the very sort of high-end, you know, player who who has got a lot of disposable income, who who wants to, you know, who has a massive kind of 4K TV, who wants to, you know, play everything in surround sound and mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, whereas Whereas the Slim is is sort of for you know more kind of entry level. I just think it's a dangerous game they're playing in the sense that a lot of people are going to look at the new model and think, well, I'm getting a lesser experience with the one I've got. It's weird I because think- we saw with the Xbox 360 there were a lot of reiterations constantly. We had the original Xbox, then we had the change, then we had the Slim, and then even the Slim kind of got a reiteration. But that was always the same console. We are seeing literally almost two different consoles. We're seeing the the Slim Xbox One. Um, and then we're seeing this powerhouse, this horse stallion type mm. console coming in and just rendering both the current Xbox consoles just completely obsolete. But I, th- I think it's an interesting play from, from Microsoft because it is two different parts of the market. I mean, Project Scorpio is is obviously looking at 
being the first of the next generation effectively is it looks like it's going to be the thing that's going to kickstart us into a three-year cycle rather than a seven-year cycle the um, the xbox game anywhere stuff that they are doing looks like it's trying to trump what steam machines do with steam uh, os and and those games that you can share on that so i mean it's quite interesting but the xbox one s i think is probably the one that kicked sony's neo off of the show because of the um the 4k blu-ray player okay and yeah because it's coming out i mean it is it's from what i've looked at myself personally the cheapest uh, xbox one s is going to be about 250 pounds which is 150 pounds cheaper than any 4k blu-ray player that's currently on the uk market at least so that's a thing that is it's done it's ready it's coming at this date and it's this much and i think sony might have sort of gone oh this isn't we've not got enough to compete with that this quickly so just before we talk about the games then because obviously microsoft had a pretty good showing with games as well um going back to what you just said sean about their sort of play anywhere uh Mm. thing do i feel like microsoft are having a little bit of an identity crisis they're trying to push games on the slim they're trying to push games on the current xbox they're trying to push games potentially for the scorpio and what the scorpio is going to do and allow devs to do but then they're also trying to be like hey why don't you play games on your pc as well it's it's one of those things that it it depends who they're competing with because you would think okay you've got three different separate directions and you're all competing with separate things the xbox is competing with sony's playstation windows is competing with mac for usability and with uh, valve for gaming but at the same time it's kind of all absolved itself into one and i think that's what microsoft have always tried to do from all the way back up on the windows media sharing center or whatever it was back in the early 2000s that was originally on the the original xbox 360 as well they're trying to make themselves the singular thing that you need in the home that communicates with each other and they've been trying to do that for nearly 20 years and they haven't changed that they're doing it again now with sharing games that you get on xbox with windows i mean the good thing is that you don't pay any more for it and as long as they can keep getting their message across of this is value for you the consumer they'll probably do well out of it but they do have that identity crisis of we're not standing next to any one person in particular in order to compare ourselves do you feel do you guys feel it's a little weird that they're trying to aim for this cross play as well so people who like people who are playing gears of war 4 can play on the xbox as and play with people who are on the pc but the pc people don't have to pay for xbox live do we feel that's kind of a little weird? Why would you buy a game if you have a PC? Why would you buy a game on the Xbox if you want to play it online? Because then you're just paying an additional fee for the Xbox Live subscription as well. I wonder if that'll be a thing that gets brought in later or if they're sort of offsetting the cost of how much a PC costs or how much the Xbox will cost. Okay. For the consumer is justifying it that way. But um, I don't know because I don't think anybody... Everybody sort of says oh it's a shame that we can't play games straight out of the box on an xbox or a playstation without paying a an annual fee or whatever to the companies but nobody really gets angry about it so i think it's one of those things that we're as console gamers because we're paying less for our equipment we're quite happy to pay for the service we get and the free games we get i'm assuming that the the games for windows guys won't get those games with gold free games yeah probably well. not. so so there will be caveats to each 
Well, there'll be Xbox 360 games most of the time anyway, so you're not going to be like... we got all of them. We got all yeah, of them. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about the games then um, that we might be playing on both PC and Xbox One. So obviously they started with Gears of War 4. Um, kind of looking like all Gears of War games. Uh, anyone excited about Gears of War 4 then? <laughs> that, that is a resounding <laughs> silence. Wow. I've got less and less interested, I'll be honest, I'm, as time has gone on. I'm, I'm going to stand up for it a little bit. I think Gears is, is kind of... It's a little bit underrated, I think, Gears of War in general. I think this looks very, very safe. Um, but I did... I thought it looked quite nice. I thought the weather effects were nice. It seems to be pushing the you know, the Xbox One harder than a lot of games are, you know, certainly in terms of its presentation. And, you know, I think there is something to be said for games that, that do the basics well. I mean, it looks very kind of meat and potato stuff, but it was the the sort of weird buzzsaw gun that they had looked quite fun. And it looked kind of like a, a very kind of simple pleasure, very kind of similar to sort of last gen stuff. But, you know, with a bit of a, a current gen sheen to it, I, you know, I thought it was OK. I mean, the, the, the kind of banter between the characters felt really forced, but... You know, as long as it's fun to play. I mean, you know, it's not spectacular, but it's it's a lot. It's the kind of thing that a lot of the Xbox audience will be looking for, I think. Okay, um, so Kids of War Four maybe not uh, the most exciting thing in the press conference. We saw uh, reshowings of Scalebound, uh, Recall, uh, and Sea of Thieves, all sort of these Xbox One exclusives. Um, how are you feeling about this? I think Recall was looking pretty good. Scalebound, weirdly, I don't think it knows what it wants to do, which is strange for a Platinum game, because they are always very basic, like, let's nail the basics of what we want to do with this game, and then and then expand upon that. This game is trying to do multiplayer, Monster Hunter-type weird co-op gameplay. Not I don't know, sure I disagree that. with that. I, I think it knows exactly what it's doing. I just think it's, do, it's trying to do something a little bit different. I mean... You you watched the the boss battle that the the kind of, that Square did with the with Final Fantasy 15, and that kind of in, in theory that should have been spectacular, but it looked really clunky. And Scalebound was kind of offering a similar thing in a lot of ways, but it looked more spectacular. I think I think it looked more more exciting, more kind of more focused a little bit. I mean, it, you know, it is a little bit of a departure for Platinum, but I think Kamir is, yeah. is one of the best action directors around. And I think Well, I was just going to say, have off, faith in Kamir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm, like, yeah. I know, yeah, Johnny... Like, I'm not feeling Skillbone. I'm not. I'm sorry. Like, I, 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 yeah, look, I'm not feeling Skillbone at all. Like, I, I say this as someone who loves the shitting moon out of Bayonetta and who thinks of the world of Bayonetta mm-hmm. 2 even more because Bayonetta 2 was my game of the year a few years ago. Not feeling Skillbone at all. Not feeling that. Okay, but I know I know a game you were feeling, Johnny, was Recall. You were pretty excited yeah, about that. Um, yeah, I really loved um, the tone that trailer was going for. It just felt so... I'm trying to think of the right word to describe it, but it felt more poppy. Like It, it perhaps helped that it had that kind of pop music m- motif going for it during the trailer. And yeah, I really loved what they showed of Recall at the, at the presser and the gameplay they showed afterwards with Jeff Keighley. Um, yeah, that that looked really good. Like I was not expecting much from it because, like, it like yes, it has Amateur Studios, which is basically some of the main core leads for the Metroid Prime uh, team at uh, Retro. But like, it also has 
KG Inafune, and considering his kind of track record recently with my number nine, <laughs> I, I was not, I, I was not, I was not expecting much out of Recore. But you know what? I, I'm, I'm quite glad I did. I'm quite surprised, but a good kind of surprised. I really liked what I saw of it, and, it was, and it's coming out in September too, which and, is actually a lot sooner than yeah. I thought, to be honest. And it has to be said, it's got a very good price point as well. Yes, thirty pound in the UK, and it's like something like forty dollars in the United um, States or something. Yeah, that's very good. It's sitting around the Ratchet and Clank price, which was oh, excellent as well. Yeah. Um, Jordan, uh, we saw a gameplay trailer—not a gameplay trailer, a gameplay demo of Sea of Thieves. Uh, we saw it last year. It looked very exciting. Um, and now we've seen a bit more about what you're going to be doing. Uh, how are you feeling about Sea of Thieves? Uh, beyond the silly let's play gimmick of the trailer, it looks really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if has Rare done something like that, like open world, massively online thing before, but. With their charm, I think if they get it right, it could be really good. Because the trailer looked like a ton of fun. Anyone else th- feeling Sea of Thieves? It looks beautiful. Yeah, I am. I, I, I mean, I, Xbox to do it. <laughs> I agree with Jordan in in that the presentation was was a little bit kind of cringeworthy, but I think the actual footage that they showed looked really interesting, and there could be a nice kind of collaborative thing going on you know it's a different take on multiplayer and it'd be nice to see kind of people working together instead of always just sort of fighting against one another it does look pretty good we need more pirate games that's for sure we need more pirate games actually there was rumors that um ubisoft's game was a pirate game and maybe sea of thieves maybe a little too similar to sea of thieves or maybe steep was just kind of you know what what they prepared for it looked a bit more special that they decided not to show that I mentioned one of those Ubisoft games that was can, uh, pulled from the presser at the last minute. That was what that game yeah. was, apparently. Yeah, I think that's what Chris yeah. was saying. Yeah, the fire, one of the Ubisoft games. Where, but that's probably just a spin-off more of what they were doing with Black Flag. So maybe that's why it kind of didn't feel like they should end on something maybe feeling a little too similar. I can't imagine Ubisoft straying too far from what they did in Black Flag if they know it's going to sell. They're not... Mm-hmm recent times not been a company that stretches their boundaries too much but we'll get onto that soon enough um also we saw the kind of weird dodgy final fantasy 15 demo we've probably don't want to talk about final fantasy 15 too much until we get to the sony press conference uh we saw dead rising 4 uh we saw uh, screenshots of that before uh it was <laughs> came out how are we feeling about dead rising 4 3 was a little a little mediocre to my eyes but four is looking pretty good. We got Frank back. Frank's a good character. Yeah, and it's got that kind of look of and that feel of the first game, mm. um, which which was silly, but the right amount of silly with the right amount of enjoyment and replayability, and and of course the right world. So my only problem is is it's very Christmas themed, and I wonder if it's going to be like a Die Hard thing that you sort of have it, but you only put it on at Christmas. <laughs> That still sounds good to me, though. It's, it's <laughs> great. I mean, I'll take it. Yeah. I still watch Die Hard to this day, so... Oh, it's <laughs> great can, movie. Yeah, see if we can do anything like that. Um, it's a pretty safe bet. Dead Rising gameplay has not changed throughout any of the three games, apart from maybe some customizable options in terms of weapons. So, pretty safe, but it's nice to see it. Yeah, um, doesn't want a candy cane crossbow. Exactly. Uh, then we saw Forza Horizon 3. I am now, so- oh, yes, yes, now, yes, yes. Now yes, with yes. Kangaroos. Now with kangaroos. Sounds yes. like some of you guys are very excited about this. Yes. Oh, so excited. Forza Horizon, the, the entire series is honestly, point for point, the best recent series going today. It is 
fucking great. That's all I have to say. Like, here, here's the thing. I'm like, totally with Johnny. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> like, you can tell how excited we are. Um, can I just say, oh, like, wait, sorry, sorry. like, um, they they could have just given us a date in Forza Horizon Three. They couldn't. They didn't have to show us any footage at all. They could have just shown that that was it. I would have been like already day one, just based on the first two games alone. They didn't even need to show any footage. I was already done. I was already sold. Yeah, I mean, Forza Horizon Two was the reason I got an Xbox One. I was a little bit kind of weird about the Xbox One. I wasn't sure about it. I went to Gamescom. I played Forza Horizon Two, and I was like, I need one of these in my life because I need that game. And I did pretty much get... I think I got a few other things with it, but that was the main reason why I bought that game. I played the hell out of it. I had a very brief stint as a YouTuber where I did an entire series on it. I went back and played Forza Horizon 1 because I missed that. Um, it's just a fun game that takes the the really stoic hubris out of a lot of the things, which are arguably in the main Forza series, in Gran Turismo and in uh, a lot of other driving games, and just makes it a really fun experience. And then you've got... Um, the, the the graphics on it look amazing. The it's going to be one of those games that's going to benefit from the HDR uh, by having um, skies that they filmed with a 12k rig in Australia that they've actually they're going to put in to the game if you do have the Xbox One S. Um, so it looks like it's going to be a, a pretty special thing. And if I was Sony with um, with Gran Turismo Sport, I'd be pretty worried. Fair enough. Um, it looks more then, characterful than Gran Turismo, I think. Gran Turismo looks, looks a little too much simulation, and I don't think people want too much simulation in their racing games now. For most of the 90s, most no. of the 2000s, we were going for this very realistic simulation. And obviously Gran Turismo has always gone for that. It seems like adding the word sport onto the end allows them to maybe be a little more free with how that game's going to play. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a reason Turn 10 aren't doing mainline Forza games anymore because they can have fun with Horizon, yeah. and it sells. It, it, people love that kind of semi arcade racer. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things that we've got enough of a diverse industry now that if you want the simulation game, you've got a simulation game based on the specific part of that type of motorsport. You've got Dirt Rally, which is a fantastic racing game, but is very, very punishing because it is very realistically like that. You've got the Formula One games, that, even though they've dipped in recent years, have been the best at recapturing that since the Jeff Crammon days. And then you've got Forza, who, uh, as in straight Forza, that decided to sort of rock the boat a bit with this card system, um, which actually kind of really works in a way that it takes the the sort of dull, oh, progress to a race, progress to a race kind of thing out of it. You find a different dynamic to try and to try and get. And you've got the wheel spins that they took from Forza Horizon 2, which then came into this. And it's going to be interesting how much of what they've done from all of those games ends up into the gameplay of Forza Horizon 3, because it will perfectly live there very well without any kind of criticism or, or badness, as long as you're not paying microtransactions for it. So it, it's, it's really exciting. Excellent. So Drivatar is you... still a terrible word, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do not come across my Drivatar. It has got nothing to do with how I actually drive. If you ever find me, just avoid it. He's insane. That that trailer, by the way, was one one of my favourite moments of of any conference. It was kind of like it's like they start showing the location, then you're like, "Ooh, where's where's this going to be?" And then they show like three kangaroos hopping across the screen. I was like, "Right, that's Australia." Okay. <laughs> do you know what? It, do you know what? It, do you know what it reminded me of? Um, it very much, especially the cars and the vehicles they were using and the way the gameplay worked. It reminded me a hell of a lot of Motorstorm, 
that yeah, original PS3 that racer. Yeah, I got a bit of a vibe with that. Yeah, yeah. It felt a lot like what Motorstorm was going for. This sort of mix of vehicles, off-road. Australia, obviously, Outback. They're going to have a whale of a time driving any type of all-terrain vehicles across that. It just seemed a bit weird seeing these big <laughs> four-by-four vehicles going against like a brand-new Lamborghini. But, you know, all in good fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, it's one of those things that if you have played the rest of the Forza games, it's very, very good at rewarding you for doing so. Uh, so they've already published the list of the cars that you'll have unlocked uh, at launch, uh, depending what tier you are on the Forza hub of, of the games you've played and the achievements you've earned from the previous ones and what bonuses you get if you're a VIP member. So they've already gone out, come out and said, this is what you're going to get straight up, which is a great transparent way to, to show your game. It's good to get people back into the series as well to prepare and maybe like, oh, I'm going to, you know, try my best to get as good as oh, I can before the game comes out as well. First thing I did is I put on Forza Horizon 2. <laughs> there you go, marketing, just, just marketing at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> so just before we finish on Microsoft then, we saw three other games. Uh, we saw State of Decay 2. Uh, that looks pretty cool, pretty cool. But another zombie game that is obviously still a running trend in the industry. Um, we saw Gwent. Which uh, which are three nice spin-off? It was inevitable, but having played a lot of Gwent, having played a lot of Hearthstone and many other card games, I feel like they have a lot to change um, if they're going to make a full game out of Gwent. Doesn't seem like the most balanced card game in the world, and not the deepest either. So I don't know if any of you guys got into Gwent very much or or play a lot of card games, but I'm I'm a little unnerved by a Gwent solo game mm, it might be something that's really really just sort of quick easy pick up and put down which i kind of like in a card game because i, I do enjoy playing Hearthstone, but it is one of those things that it, the game kind of expects you to sit there get engrossed by it and lose three days of your life and i think gwent is one of those games that's kind of like yeah you can have a couple of rounds and then put it down it's the perfect lunch break game and I think if they nail that part of it, then it doesn't really need to do too much more. I think it will like just, just be fun for that. They've got like a ready-made fan base for it as well, because everyone who played the That's Witcher who got into Gwent is going to jump on that straight away. Are we going to see paid card packs? Like, oh, maybe. Do we f- um, do we feel like CD Projekt Red are that type of company? They've got to make I money. <laughs> I don't think they. I don't think they would do anything that would shift the dynamic of how people play the game. Because the one thing they wouldn't want to do is throw people away, and I don't think they would. Yeah, there might be things like much more cosmetic things, maybe. Because uh, I know when you actually get the physical packs in the um, in the Witcher Three DLC boxes that you got from selected retailers, um, you have uh, the Nilfgaardian sets and the things like that where you have the different kind of looks of things yeah so maybe they might do something like that with dlc but i i doubt they would do anything that would actually change how you play the game with it because that's just not their style Mm. really fair enough and then we saw halo wars 2 uh that was kind of one of the last (laughs) announcements obviously a a franchise that we thought was dead um it's coming back and it's coming back under the guiding hands of a very good strategy company creative assembly uh has anyone played it, it did the beta start on monday i am i yeah correct in saying are, that you are correct in saying that i have is anyone I, anyone played it i have it downloaded on my xbox one but i to my eternal shame not played it yet because you know busy, I, I got this same i got distracted by other things yeah i just installed <laughs> but it are we excited oh, fuck i'm excited i i i i i, 
I loved the first game. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's actually a bit criminally underrated, like, to be honest. Like, mm. I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I had someone come on my timeline, like, a really good uh, person, like, Nick Karen, former Garden. I think he's doing a website now in South Africa, and he said, Halo Wars 2, the game nobody asked for. I was like, what? No, I, I asked for this. <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm excited for Halo Wars too. So much so. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it, but I'm excited about the way that Creative Assembly go about creating a strategy game on console because that is a market that nobody's been able to crack, and they are quite possibly the studio with the the best IPs and the best um, sort of experience in in bringing those IPs to life. And if that works, and say XCOM two works you could see creative assembly moving into the strategy market on yeah. console, uh, which for things like total war Warhammer, if you had a sort of a multiplayer version of that on console, that, that would be amazing. I mean, I'm not a fan of it, but I, I can just know like seeing it. I can think, okay, people will buy the heck out of that. It's got a lot to, they've got a lot of work ahead of them to make, obviously make that feel good. Halo Wars felt really good. And, mm obviously it was a little more of a simplistic system um i feel like creative assembly are kind of becoming the telltale of strategy games they're they're sort of starting to be trusted with all these other very precious ips and now are able to sort of branch out more as a company uh it's very yeah. interesting to see can, can we think, can uh, we again, sorry can I, can I just make a point about something like it's worth noting creative assembly a Sega-owned studio. Like, that's my thinking. Like, how on earth is Creative Assembly working on a Microsoft IP? Like, I, that's that, very true. That, that, that's still mm. a question that's been unanswered as of nearly a year ago since the game's on there. And like, how is, again, a Creative, creative Assembly, a Sega-owned studio, working on Halo, a Microsoft-owned IP? That's an answer I still want to find out to, even if it feels as I, obvious I think, as it is. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, it is an interesting thing. There's obviously some interesting business that's happened behind the scenes there to make that happen but the one thing you say about creative assembly being the um sort of being trusted with a lot of things i mean i think we've all spoken to people that work there uh in the run-up to warhammer when we couldn't say about warhammer for six months even though sega had leaked it and then (laughs) (laughs) and then warhammer finally being released everybody there is a fan like everybody there knew more about warhammer than the people that knew warhammer were interviewing them about and it was it was amazing just to sort of see their passion for that franchise and i think that's the thing that's really come across with with create assembly and whatever they've done um the the historical series they they are massive history buffs uh when they did alien they were really really loving the nostalgia of that that kind of sense that alien created rather than just like the, the aliens and guns and ripley and all these things so I, I think they've probably earned their place very, very well at it. And let us not forget that we're getting Halo Wars Definitive Edition as well. Yes. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> jo- Johnny's squeals of excitement from Ireland. I just, I just wanted to make Johnny squeal. <laughs> so, overall, do we feel Microsoft? Not bad. Not bad. Good showing. Good showing. And just before we, sorry, just before we move on from that, I'd like a, a quick nod to uh, Playdead's new game inside. Oh, um, oh yes, is, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Which is really, really exciting. Uh, I'm really keen to see what people make of it because I think it's really, really going to surprise a lot of people. And we have to mention Rehappy Few. Oh, yeah, that was that game that's looked like an, an Orwellian mind bender. It was, it was incredible. 
Didn't it originally and... fail its Kickstarter goal as well? It it uh, it know. was a Kickstarter originally, wasn't it? And then was it? Or there was a game very similar to that by people who worked on Bioshock. Oh, uh, I know the one you're thinking of. I can't remember the name. Hmm. It was very similar to this, and they had masks, and it was this kind of strange, quirky British town. That game looks very fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It looks like one of those things that you're gonna, you're going to complete it, and you're not going to be not going to be sure what experience you've just had i think <laughs> and i think that's a great thing because it's going to be i mean bioshock has done that very very well um were you thinking about perception was that the game you were thinking about i'm not sure you know i'm not sure i may be mixing we happy for you with something very similar There's by a, some other bioshock devs a lot a lot of ex bioshock people have, have started doing kickstarts well, well obviously since irrational uh unfortunately closed down mm. um so but, i yeah. think i think uh Sorry, what were you going to say, Sean? Yeah, I was going to say, but yeah, it's um, it's that game that it's weird that it got that much um screen time effectively in the conference, which sort of makes makes me think that Microsoft are looking at this as their Bioshock moment. This is their alternative. We can do artistic, absolutely ridiculous, mind bending games too, especially if we don't have Kojima, and <laughs> and that and that is exactly um, and that and it's, it felt like the game that i'm most excited to indulge in i mean i will play the heck out of everything else but yeah this is the game that sort of made me think i could play that and write several several books about it yeah okay <laughs> i think it was one of the i'm a little bit more cautious sorry i'm a little bit more it's jordan first sorry. Oh, sorry i think it was for me one of the games in that entire conference that jumped out to me like I think it's coming to the Xbox preview program. And it just made me go, I'm going to buy that the day it comes out because it looks trippy as fuck. It did look day one for me. Um, Chris, what were you going to say? Yeah, I'm a little bit more cautious. Um, the reason being, I played a, a very early version of this, and granted, it seems to have changed quite a lot since then, but it was very, it was very, very scrappy. The combat didn't really work at all. Um, and it's from Compulsion Games, who, who did Contrast, which was... Which was also quite oh, flawed, yes. I thought. It was an interesting game, you know, interesting idea, but it didn't quite Same work Same sort of execution. art style, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I must say, it does seem to have come a long way since the the, the early version that I played on, on PC, which I think was, it was probably like even a pre-alpha uh, version of the game. But... Um, you know, it does seem it does seem kind of more advanced. I'm looking forward to trying it. I'll probably try it on the mm. um, sort of game preview program. I think on Xbox One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things I do I do want to say about Xbox just before we leave Xbox and and Keenan, would be happy for for you is we had quite a big ream again of idea Xbox games with no release dates, especially for Cuphead, which is really beginning to grate on me because this this I think I'm coming to like the third year of going to industry shows where cuphead is there yeah it's like why why is this not ready yet and why cuphead, is this not out yet cuphead doesn't then, seem to have too much to it either from what i've no. seen it's just this, i mean it's obviously a very technical difficult thing yeah what they're doing but but gameplay wise it seems it's just this side-scrolling shooter that yeah. and that's pretty much it there doesn't and seem it, to be any much else to it it's that, and there's a couple of other things, I think, that they just need to be out on the game preview program now. Even if they're not fully released, they need to be out there so that they can get the user feedback, because otherwise it's going to be a game that everybody's going to be hyped for. It's going to come out, and everybody's going to be like, oh, it's not that great. 
and I worry about that and I'd rather it gets gets out now and learns from things for a full release like Elite has done like uh, Long Dark is doing and things like that because the platform is there for them to do it okay uh, yep sorry yep go ahead I was going to say I, I'm not personally convinced that Cuphead is the right type of game to to do that with I think it's a very different game from stuff like the Long Dark and Solace Project and oh yeah no, yeah um, yeah, I'm just not sure it works. I, I think they're just spending a lot of time because every frame of the animation is, is hand-drawn. Yeah, and obviously yeah. that takes a long time to get that right. They're trying to kind of stuff it with as much, you know, as much... Con- I don't want to say the word content, but, you know, they're <laughs> trying to fit in as many boss fights as they can. And they've kind of changed it into... So it's not just boss fights, so it's a platformer. And I think that is, is actually based on feedback that they've got from the early versions of the game. Because everyone was kind of like, oh, I can't believe it's just boss battles. And so they've yeah. introduced this platforming element, which should kind of, I think, bring it to to a wider audience, hopefully. I think that was essentially the, all the feedback from last year's E3 was like, Cuphead looks gorgeous, it's amazing, but it's pretty much just all boss fights. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe they've gone back to the drawing board a little bit. Um, So let's move on from Xbox now uh, and Microsoft um, to what was uh, Ubisoft. Ubisoft was next. So let's talk about Ubisoft. Ubisoft, obviously, we saw before E3, um, which I still found really strange, uh, was Watch Dogs 2. Obviously, it got leaked. Then we saw this Twitch advert and all this kind of nonsense, which maybe forced Ubisoft's hand. I'm not sure. Um, But then we saw Watch Dogs 2 and we saw it a little bit fleshed out. I really don't like what's happening with Watch Dogs 2. Um, Is that because you don't like Watch Dogs 1 or is that just because you're looking at it thinking... I don't need this. I'm thinking this game only appeals to very, and I hope no one gets wind of this, who is this type of person, but this kind of meme-heavy, juvenile, troll-type person who is all about the lols, kind of. And it's like <laughs> Ubisoft are making a game to the people who maybe play Assassin's Creed, maybe play uh, similar games to that, who are internet-heavy users who are posting memes and kind of... <laughs> all about the lulls and this anonymous culture. And I really don't like that. I don't like that because it kind of is like an antithesis to the gaming industry and these people who are horrible. I'm not, I'm, I'm obviously painting a lot of people under the same brush, but that's not what I'm trying to do. But that's how it feels to me. It's a game that appeals to the, the horrible side of gaming, these gamergator type people. And I don't know whether it's just me. I don't know if any of you feel like that as well, but this whole hacking culture like let's rule the world by our mobile phones type thing just sort of gives me that that vibe well Um, i I, I think some of us are probably old enough to remember the movie hackers and it (laughs) kind of feels like this kind of hey look at this alternative culture rhetoric that we've got going on and when you actually put it into something that is more than just always trying to narratize or narrativize or whatever word i can make up just now to describe having a story um it it just sort of feels really tacky and, and forced on, so I see what you're seeing there. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say it's too much trying to give 
troll culture is something to have. But, I mean, it is an 18-rated game, so it's not going to be um, completely for everybody out there who's probably behind the keyboard doing what they're doing. But, yeah, it, it just doesn't seem like an exciting or entertaining game for a long period of time. Which, given having played Watch Dogs won a lot, yeah, I'm not into. I'm not. It's not for me. What were you going to say, Chris? I was. I was going to. I mean, it felt a little bit to me like you know the kind of how do you do, fellow kids, type approach. Like this is this is what <laughs> this is what hacking is is really like. Um, I don't know. To me, it it has a similar vibe to to GTA Five in that it's here's you know an amazingly realistic rendering of you know, of a Californian city, now you're going to play a bunch of arseholes. And, and you know, that just doesn't really appeal to me. I'd, li- I'd like to play someone, uh, you know, I mean, may- maybe it'll come across in the narrative, but it was just, it's c- kind of like, yeah, I, I don't really want to play as these people. I want to play as, yeah. you know, people who are kind I, of good or, you know, at least I, interesting in some way. I'm 25 it, and I feel like this game is still too young for me. Jordan, Johnny, what, what are you guys thinking then? What are you guys thinking about Watch Dogs 2? I, I, think... I, I oh, really God. loved... Um, I, I, well, maybe not love, but I actually was quite fond of the first Watch Dogs, but like, I can kind of see why people didn't gravitate towards it because like, yeah, Aiden is the most boring as fuck character ever in the game and <laughs> the tone was perhaps too depressing for oh no I killed my ne- my niece or something or like contributed to that or whatever like that was like yeah it was a bit of a shit show story I'll admit but like in terms of the gameplay side like I was I, I really liked Watch Dogs for that aspect because the potential was there and I feel like once a Ubisoft IP gets to a second installment then they can realise that potential of that first game. You just have to look at what happened with Assassin's Creed 1 and then the jump over to 2 and realise how much that potential was realised. So I think it's going to be the same here with Watch Dogs 2. Um, it's worth noting as well, um, I actually really like, well maybe, maybe not really like, because I can kind of see your point in him, but um, about you know those kind of memes culture and that the kind of other side of the internet, the dark side of the internet. But yeah, at the same time, like I can, like I actually kind of like the lighter tone it's going for. Well, maybe not lighter tone is the right term for it, but it certainly feels a lot more lighter in terms of what they're going for with Watch Dogs One. I, I, I mm. and it's taking it itself a lot less seriously this time. I like that. I really like that. Like it's not. I can fra- see where you're coming from like, in that regard. It's it's not afraid to make fun of itself, and not to mention that the demo we saw at the Ubisoft press just felt so. Um, I'm trying to find the right term of it, but like it just felt so stylish. That's that's there we go. Like it, it just felt so stylish. It just felt great. Like like I'm 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 excited to play Watch Dogs too. It's it's easily a day one for me, anyways. Okay, what about you, Jordan? Quickly, uh, what what are you thinking of Watch uh, Dogs two? Then I think a lot of the feedback that's gone into Watch Dogs two is based on how dull the first one was. So I'm kind of hoping they don't go too far in the opposite direction but in terms of gameplay and stuff they're going like all in on parkour and hacking and just messing with the environment looks like a lot of fun so i'll probably pick it up on day one (laughs) it's really funny as well uh one thing i noted a lot of and obviously it's sort of la kind of focused uh i spent three years heavily looking at gta uh working on gta 5 and 
the resemblance of many parts of the maps that <laughs> was kind of uncanny. Um, so that's going to that's going to be really interesting to see what they do with LA in in retaliation, like sort of the different side of what GTA Five did as well. Especially because it's one of those so things as well. Yeah, yeah. Is that I mean, I mean, Rockstar, as you well know, created an amazing world with GTA Five, and it seems like that kind of modern satirical pastiches of a world is their thing so with somebody else trying to come in and, and crack in and do it it's always going to be a bit oh are you are you second best so it's already got more work to do than any other game of its type has to because of where it's putting itself but fair play to it is it's going out there and saying right I, we're as good as this we're looking as good as this let's make ourselves as good as this so i mean if you don't try you never know yeah, so let's move on from Watch Dogs 2 then. Uh, we had the return of South Park, a cracked butthole, uh, which is still looking really good, really funny. Stick of Truth, I thought, was excellent. Um, I don't want to hit on this game too much because we've seen a lot of it. We saw a lot of it last year as well. Uh, yeah. Just, are you excited? Are you looking forward to this game? Absolutely. Very excited, and I like Definitely. I like the change in combat. The combat kind of made me, it looked a bit like a cross between the Banner Saga and something else. Um, which name escapes me, but that kind of being able to move in the space a lot more than you could in uh, Stick of Truth. So they've definitely worked on the gameplay rather than just gone, oh, hey, that worked. Let's write another story, which I yeah. like. So, yeah, very exciting. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what about you? Yeah, I, I mean, the first one is kind of not really a guilty pleasure. I mean, I, I don't really watch South Park anymore. So it was that was kind of the first sort of South Park kind of experience i suppose i'd had since sort of the first few seasons of the the cartoon and i just really enjoyed it it was you know it, it was just a real it was really really funny there's there's a bit to do with audio tapes there's a, a running gag to do with that which i thought was hysterical um <laughs> and this this just kind of looks it, it looks quite similar but i got kind of almost and I think Sean alluded to the the Banner Saga thing with the combat, which looked really quite yeah. interesting, a bit more involved than the first one, which is very simplistic, very kind of um, Mario and Luigi esque in that you know you kind of had mm. these basic attacks and you press buttons at the the right time right to, time, to yeah. give them more power and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely on board for this. I, it, you know, as, as someone, I think a lot of people have got kind of a bit fed up of South Park in recent seasons. But as someone who just kind of dips in and out every now and again, I'm not sort of overexposed to it, so I'm quite excited about it. Excellent. What about you, Jordan? Uh, I think looks. I'm not a huge South Park fan, but I've played Stick of Truth, and knowing that they're just doubling down on all the RPG elements is really cool. And a bit more fleshed out. I think Stick of Truth comes with pre-orders for the new one, so that'll be really good as well. That's a good incentive. Uh, and uh, Johnny, what, what do you think? I'm in. As long as you said, I'm in. I'm in. Like, like, I, yeah, I, I really love the trip, so yeah, I'm in. Excellent. Okay, so then um, we obviously saw we're getting... We had the re-showing of that Tom Clancy game they showed. I think it was two E3s ago or um, that just almost disappeared off the face of the earth like Tom Clancy games seem to do. Obviously, we had Rainbow Siege. That completely changed. Um, but this game is continuing on uh, with this sort of open-world feel. Is it, it, it called Wildlands? Um, from Wildlands. Affirmative, Captain. Move into the left-hand side and we'll attack that building. Yeah, so are, are we thinking they're taking the Rainbow Siege type of gameplay and then just putting it into missions? 
um with the ai companions maybe multiplayer maybe but it's definitely this story driven game i i have to say watching that demo it just made me think of the gta online heists <laughs> with a horribly with with the horrible tacky narration that ubisoft just continue to do of of, of fake game chatter and the division just, uh, last oh, year being one of those yeah but that, it, i mean the gameplay it looked fun it looked interesting but it, it did look like it was it was like the gta online heist that you have a target and you're going through these missions and you're doing them carp and away which is great and fun and if the world promises to be everything they said it would be then it could be a really interesting world i mean it's one thing ubisoft have always done very well just create interesting open worlds um the division is is a spectacular open world even if the game hasn't got a lot to it yeah uh, far cry as well and all the things they've done they've always created a visually brilliant world with a lot of different things going on in it so hopefully that will be great but i do worry that that's kind of just it uh, one thing that impressed me, and I know it's very small, but I don't know if any of you saw it, it was like a transition they had where there was like blood running on the table into like a batch of cocaine. And then the cocaine, as it got soaked into blood, turned into the mud that the soldiers were then running over. I don't know if any of you saw that transition, but it was incredibly I, slick. It looked beautiful. But that's what I, Ubisoft do. They're, ve- they're very good at the slick. They're very good at, at promoting that slick. And as we as we know with um, What's Dogs in the Division, finally getting it three years later and it not being as slick as it probably was promised <laughs> i think that's an underestimation <laughs> i'm being i'm being very very kind that's yeah. very diplomatic <laughs> I think. Yeah. anyone particularly fond of these types of games like wildlands uh that feel like this is going to be a pickup for you i thought it was i mean it's, it's probably not something i'm going to play personally but i thought it was quite i got a kind of sicario vibe to it i Kind Definitely of, uh, a drug lord esque. Yeah, I mean, the, Narcos is the feel well. I got from the it. worry I that know. I have with it is that the world looks so vast that I think players could get quite spread out. I mean, I'm not sure how many kind of players are in any individual multiplayer session, but it looks like one of those games that could be absolutely spectacular when it all comes together, and then, but there'll be loads and loads of times where it doesn't, where it just kind of feels very ordinary. And for some players, it's kind of boring because they, you know, it depends on the role that they've adopted within that kind of mission. Okay. So moving on from then, uh, we had, show, we got shown more of For Honor, which uh, we saw last year as well. That is looking pretty cool. Reminds me a lot of Chivalry, um, that PC game. Uh, don't want to dwell on that one too much. It looks pretty cool. Uh, then we had the announcement of Trials of the Blood Dragon. Um, yeah, yeah, Johnny, you excited about that then? I'm very excited. I really love Trial Series. I, I I think Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon was actually very underrated. Um, like not many people got to play. I don't think many people got, um, played that game, did they? Like it was very like very underrated. Game, but, but I loved the humor of um, Blood Dragon, and uh, yeah, I really loved the the last Trials game and um, Trials Fusion. Like it's just it feels like such a perfect fit. I'm on. And then, like, yeah. I, I'm sure I'll get it sometime that, down the line. Not, no, necessarily, but yeah. I'll get it sometime down the line. But yeah, yeah. I'm Because it's, it's already out now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, it is. That was just a nice then, little it... little thing, wasn't it? Just like here's here's something you can play now. It just seemed like a quite quite an interesting mashup, and then just a nice little surprise. Oh, here's something. You know, like a lot of these games are quite a long way off still, but here's something you can have now. 
I tell you what, the more and more I see of this you can play now, the more and more I'm expecting people to do it, which means I get more and more excited. I I half (laughs) expected Bethesda to drop Skyrim as a release. Now, I I was kind of, or the Elder Scrolls Legends, I was expecting them to drop something now. I was surprised they didn't. Mm, Because they did that for Fallout Shelter last year, so they did. Mm, and it worked so well. Mm, I, mm. I know if you do it too much, it kind of becomes your thing and you stick. But I would have gone out. I would have instantly purchased it. So yeah, that exactly. that kind of generation of hype uh, definitely works. Uh, and then, obviously, before they finished the conference, they announced this new title, this new uh, what originally reminded me of SSX type games, but is a little more serious, I think. Uh, Steep. Um, mm. Who's excited about this? This is very interesting. This extreme sports sponsored by GoPro type game yeah i'm 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 excited about seeing how it feels and i I tried to sign up for the beta so hopefully i can but it's it's an interesting world it's got that right mix of of snow and mountains that i absolutely love to get lost in for hours by doing a photo mode it seems very very much up to you what you want to doing it which is lovely for an extreme sports sandbox i just worry it's just going to come out at a time where nobody will buy it because it's December, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's slated for, yeah. I think it's just one of those games that's a great idea, but probably will be lost a little. Okay. Uh, I thought anyone it was really else? interesting, actually. It's one of, one of, one of the favourite things, one of my favourite things of the whole show, just because it was kind of, it was a little bit unexpected. It was something a little bit different. Um, mm. I think I think the most important thing about it is getting the feel right. I think if it feels nice, then a lot of people will be kind of more willing to play it and obviously you know with the beta they'll be able to kind of refine that and tweak that and what have you one thing i liked which was very on ubisoft was that the ui seemed fairly unobtrusive you know Mm. not kind of i mean it did have like a couple of bits where they they were highlighting little markers and points of interest but it didn't look like a, a kind of massive map with about eight million different icons spread across it yeah, it, it it was it was very low key, wasn't it? And and mm-hmm. very functional to what you needed to do, which was go somewhere, drop and ski. So I mean, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, th- that was the end of the Ubisoft conference then. And then I, I, I do have to say one thing from Ubisoft very quickly. As a Star Trek fan, this isn't the Star Trek game that I wanted, but I will quite happily take it. The Bridge Crew VR. Um, because if it is coming to PlayStation VR, which I I, I think it is, because it said all major ones. I'm in because I'm a I'm a massive Star Trek nerd, and I really I really want Lego Star Trek. But if this is the first thing that we need to do to try and get Star Trek as a game franchise moving again, I'll I'll totally take it. I can imagine that being so incredible, but I just can't imagine it being feasible. Oh, it's incredible for five minutes, totally, and then yeah. It's gone. But if it, but if that five minutes, is good enough, <laughs> I, I will experience those five minutes over and over again. You need to find four friends as well that have also owned very expensive VR units to play with you. <laughs> I, think, I, I think if I to find, get the maximum, if I find um, at least three other friends that are into Star Trek, I can probably assume that they've got the money <laughs> for VR, and, then, and maybe I could be okay. <laughs> so, anyone else want to say anything before we leave Ubisoft? Uh, just a quick shout out to Jason Vandenberg, who introduced For oh, Honor, who is just uh, just heroically mad and really kind of like, it's like there's no better person to talk about the lore of a game than that guy. He has a brilliant voice he, with yeah. his cane and everything like that. Just uh, He's essentially just a realistic a barbarian. 
if if um, <laughs> if anybody if he ever comes out of a job um, doing what he's doing, he needs to be snapped up by the BBC or anybody that does historical documentaries because I will watch <laughs> them ad nauseum. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I want him to run my Dungeons and Dragons games. I, I, I want him involved in my life somehow. Excellent. So we're going to move on from. I'm sorry. Can, can I just point out one yeah. more thing? This is a bit more of a businessy thing. Did anyone get the sense that uh, Ubisoft was a lot longer this year? Like usually they do about an hour long. This year it was about two hours long. And at the end, Eve Gimel came out and gave the spiel about creative freedom and about moving forward. Did anyone get the feeling that this was kind of a message sent towards Vivendi, as in, you know, oh, like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. That was that weird. It's that weird dichotomy as well of having Aisha Taylor, who's absolutely amazing and brash and loud, and the really, really kind of quiet, unassuming, soft-spoken. He's getting on next to him, <laughs> just doing. So, and it was quite a weird thing, but it was a very, very kind of big "we're together, don't you dare" kind of kind of approach, wasn't it? I yeah. Think. Well, he uh, well Jeff Keeley questioned him a lot about it afterwards, and he was a bit, he was a bit more coy uh, than he was on stage. Um, but yeah, I definitely think a hundred percent that was a message about that situation. <laughs> so I think we're going to move on from Ubisoft now to Sony. So. Let's talk about Sony. So, first thing I want to say about Sony, that orchestra, I'm not sure. We obviously had Nintendo a few years ago with the Nintendo uh, Skyward Sword reveal and the orchestra. But that, I think, was a stroke of genius. Yeah. Yeah. Absolute especially, genius. Especially with who it was, with uh, Bear McCreary, who has done lots of video games before for Sony. He did yeah. Sokum. He's now doing uh, the game that we're about to talk about, <clears throat> uh, Composed Walking Dead, Battlestar Galactica. Um, he's one of my favourite TV composers, and that I was on board straight away from that. That was that was absolutely brilliant. So it then was let's touch talk about class, the... wasn't it? Touch of class. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and it was, and the fact that they did it for every game, it wasn't just the game that he was involved in, which we're going to talk mm. about now. Um, the fact that he did it, they did it for every game, and it amazed me as it kept going and they they had the the main screen of the game demo that was happening they had the person playing the demo and then they had the orchestra like pictures of the orchestra playing to it and i was like oh yeah this isn't in-game music this is the actual orchestra playing at the time and, and there's that bit when we come onto star wars a bit later where i kind of know having played music and and done these things that when you get to a piece of music that you sort of like, oh, yeah, I get to play that. And that's amazing. And there's that <laughs> bit where they played the Star Wars theme or parts of the Star Wars theme. And I can imagine just as a conductor, Bear McCreary, just sort of shaking in kind of excitement <laughs> of being able to do do that and legitimately do that. And it's like, yes. Absolutely. So, yeah, fair play. Great move. Great move. So then the first game we saw, obviously, it was a game he's involved in, um, God of War. I... And a very different God of War. Can I just say The God of War of us. Can I just say? Um, <laughs> can, can I just say first off, before we get into God of War, 
fantastic start because it actually opened with a proper cold opening. Like you didn't have anyone come on stage until after that demo was done. Like it was a proper cold opening. I loved it so yeah. much. So great. Mm-hmm. So then straight into God of War and Jeff Bridges Kratos from Iron Man <laughs> 1. Um, I actually thought he looked more like Nicholas Otamendi, personally. <laughs> as a City fan, I'm on board. As a, as a City fan, hipster, I'm on board. Hipster Kratos. <laughs> I, like, I just couldn't see. I just couldn't see anything other than Jeff Bridges in Iron Man. And was, <laughs> but he looks great. I love him. He looks, he looks very different to Kratos. His face... He's he's definitely got that. I don't know if you've seen that picture of J.K. Simmons that went around last week of him in the gym. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. that's instantly that's what that <laughs> reminded Christ. me of. Um, so Kratos, Norse mythology. Now, is this a game that's in any way going to tie in with the old God of War games? Um, or are we expecting a whole new backstory about Kratos and the, and the way he is now, and especially considering he's now in a completely different part of the world? What they are we thinking? To, yeah, they seem to be taking it in a completely different direction. I mean, just gameplay-wise as well. Um, one thing very that concerns me is... Very close. Yeah, camera, uh, very close. Yeah, I, I mean, one thing that concerns me is, is as beautiful as it was and, and as amazing as the soundtrack was, um, you know, it was, it was kind of like a world that you wanted to, to, to be immersed in. But at the same time, I, I watched the combat and I thought, yeah, that's that's not God of War. It's not. It didn't have the same fluidity. It felt a bit. Mm. It looked a bit clunky. In truth, I think. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm hoping to see more, but I, I'm not sure the the shift in perspective really, really kind of worked for me. I think I have I, to agree with you. I, uh, sorry, Johnny. Um, I, I have to agree with you there, Chris. Like the animations for the axe swinging of Kratos just were kind of repeats, just folded over to the left and right side. Mm-hmm. And I was like. That doesn't look like the animation that we're used to with like the moves that Kratos has. Yeah. Um, the thing so... about playing Kratos is is that it, it's so empowering because he's he, he's he's such a great kind of combatant. He's he's just he's really kind of fluid. He moves in in kind of this really this really kind of this beautiful way. It's just there there is a as gory as it is, there is a certain elegance to God of War's combat, and that that was it's, really it's the kind of lost it, here. Isn't it when it, you, when it really it, felt it's... like they were doing a bad impression of the the Last of Us. I don't think it was more or less I mean, a bad impression of the Last of Us, although you could say the environment wise, uh, maybe, but like more gameplay, or at least from the camera perspective, it reminded me a lot more of the close upness of Resident Evil. Four or five, six at least. Like it really made. It was definitely close. on his shoulder, wasn't it? It, it was, was very like. It very much Leon was Kennedy. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's it's the whole thing did it did everything so well. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that we look back at it now and we're thinking, okay, yeah, where where are the things that we don't know about yet? The control method, okay, this might be quite early. Um, the reveal of Kratos, uh, the whole storyline, which seems to be ripped from Star Trek's Worf and his son. <laughs> And that kind of angry old you've had your Star Trek, relate. Sean. You've had Damn your Star it, Trek. No, it's too much Star Trek. Um, but no, it's it's that world and that that scope of it that looks really really interesting. And games do need to change. I, I think to introduce a new God of War that is exactly the same gameplay as the old God of War would be a bit incredulous to what people could do and and how to evolve a game and a franchise. So I think it's I think it's a good move from that point of view. And that kind of mythology aspect of it, I mean, the Conan books and the Conan series. Yeah. I mean, Robert E. Howard was, was absolutely crazy, but he did 
mix a lot of those different kind of mythologies into a very very small space and i'm, I'm pretty sure conan in the books lived for hundreds and hundreds of years or, or something ridiculous while he was traveling around samaria and everywhere else so it could work that there, there, there are ways for it to sort of still be the same universe the same kratos whilst also being in a completely different place uh, i'm just excited to see how it how it how it pans out further do really. we do, do we reckon the combat is changing from the old games from more less of a bayonetta to more of like a sort of third person action combat game because of the environments obviously in the environments we saw had lots and lots of trees um so you're not going to be able to be swinging the chains of olympus around in those kind of areas obviously god of war areas are notoriously big square corridors or big open circle plateaus um so is this change because of that type of environment do you reckon I'm I'm not sure because it used to be one of those old design tricks in it that if you have a third person view that's quite close on the camera, uh, like Dead Space was, you actually eliminate a third of the screen, so you kind of eliminate a lot of problems that that, that you've kind of got there. But I think if you can show off a, a, an amazing world like that while also not having to force it into first person, I, I think it's fine. I, I I think it's fine, and I think there's a lot of other games that still do that kind of combat very, very well. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of games already out now and there's a lot of people that can get the Japanese games all across the world that do that kind of very quick, um, that very quick kind of combat. So I think it's interesting for God of War to sort of make something else of itself. Are we... I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it for growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Are we hoping, and I certainly am, that this is not one big 30-hour ex, uh, ex escort mission, raising a child type, looking after a child. Ah. Sex to ground child. <laughs> Just I, wonder of... if the, I wonder if the kid's going to die and that'll set up a big revenge mission where, where is, he, he finally unleashes his, his Kratos rage and starts going... Oh, that Spartan rage bit was awesome. Like, you could see his veins popping. It was, it was good. I like that bit. Mm-hmm. The bit before he like he like screamed at the troll and then ran at the troll, and broke his like horns and stuff. I thought that was really cool. Nice bit of uh, CGI work, I imagine. Mm. Um, so God of War, then I think pretty excited overall. A bit of cautiousness about the change, um, but Sean, obviously, you seem quite excited. Um, so then from God of War, another powerhouse that is real and it has a release date. In October, we are going to see this game, probably. Um, yeah, this <laughs> <laughs> we are going to see the Last Guardian. Yes. And... Like so, Johnny. I know you're very excited about this as well, and Jordan, you sound very excited too. Um, we saw a new trailer. There seems to be two Trico-like characters: ca- a dark ca- one ca- and a light one. Ca- yeah. So there seems to be two of them. Um, how are we feeling about what what that what the Last Guardian is shaping up to be? Obviously, we're all very hyped about it because it's this mythological beast, as much as mythological as Trico looks like. Um, but we we're still not seeing much of the gameplay. We're seeing a lot of climbing. We're seeing a lot of the puzzle that, elements. We're, like yeah, that's. But a, that, are, that's, are we going to see more? No, I don't think you will because that's intentional on the part of um, Team Eco or not Team Eco. It's um, the end design now. Um, I think that's intentional on the part of Sony. They don't want to spoil a lot of surprises from that game. And I can kind of see, like, 
Maybe they should reveal just a touch more, maybe, but not much else. I think that's something that's intentional on Sony's part. But um, oh my god, I'm so excited to finally play this game in October. Like, <laughs> like I'm genuinely beyond excited. Like we've been waiting what nearly eight years for it. Not eight years. It's like it's been seven years since it was first announced at E3. Eight since it was first teased. Um, and yeah, I'm so finally excited to play this game, and I was so excited. I properly marked out to give the old expression term, the old wrestling term, to see it finally get a date. But the thing is, a few hours after the press conference ended, my joy, my happiness to see this game finally get a date was gone because I realized it was coming out the same week as Titanfall 2 and Skyrim the uh, definitive edition <laughs> and and oh, and, uh, and the week after Battlefield 1 and that was what I was mentioning earlier uh, around EA and Bethesda about my concerns about this game that like obviously the last Guardian's not going to be a million seller like let's be honest but at the same time I want to see that game do very well but I feel like by putting it out that week, and admittedly, Sony obviously doesn't know dates for every you know game coming out that week for you know all the other games like Titanfall or Skyrim. So they obviously wouldn't have known at the head of, ahead of the uh, ahead of time this. But I feel like by putting it out on that week, I'm reluctant to say this. I really hope I am wrong saying this, but I feel like they're putting the last Guardian out to die that week. I really hope I'm wrong. Oh, I don't know because it's it's a very different game compared to everything that is being yeah, released true. that week, and it yep, is agreed, yeah. it does have the height. So I mean, it, it is a it, there's going to be a lot of people that won't buy Titanfall Battlefield because they don't like that genre. There's a lot of people that won't buy Skyrim because they did it five years ago and can't be bothered to go back. So it is the last the, the last sort of truly original game that's out before the end of the year, really. I mean, uh, if it means else is, is a type of a different game or, or something like that, yeah, so I think it will probably do quite well in the fact that it is the different proposition out of everything else that's coming. I mean, if it put if it means putting it out then or delaying it even further, then I'm quite glad they're putting it out that week. Yeah, cause I <laughs> because I think the we've message... waited long enough. Quite yeah, long. I think if the message you delayed it any longer, or you were like coming early June 2017, people would be like, "Yep, that's it." This, this game's not real. I'm not, it's I'm never not, I'm not saying push it further, like, you know, another few weeks. So I'm, like, I'm thinking maybe bring it forward a few weeks, like, say, early October, late September. Mm. Maybe. That's, like, or late September mm. is when Final Fantasy fifteen FIFA comes out. Like, it's, it's a very chucky dynamic, I realise. But even Well, so, I think the, I mean, end of, the end of this year, anyway, is looking very tricky for everyone. Uh, there is so much coming out. And, and it there is... You feel like The Last Guardian... I think a lot of people, and I know you said it's not going to be a million seller, but because of the sort of the the myth that this game has brought off, the mythos, I think a lot of people are going to buy it on that regard. Um, so I think a lot of people are probably scared that they are releasing around The Last Guardian just because of the kind of store, the development story that this game's had. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Duke yeah. Nukem I mean, Forever. That... <laughs> oh my god! Please don't remind me. That that was the first game I, I fully covered it in the games industry. And yeah, that was that that was an education. And you're but, still here. But, well, it, it couldn't get any worse, really. I started at the literal bottom and worked my way up. So, but it's it's one of those things. I mean, Sony would have known when the release date was for everything else that's around it because it is going to be on their consoles. They obviously don't want it to be anywhere near Call of Duty because that's their exclusive thing now. And if you push it any later, 
So, I mean, with the exception of a few things, December is kind of the, the, the dead time for releases because of it being Christmas or whatever. So I think it's probably in the best place it could be without releasing it before Final Fantasy and it getting lost, really, yeah. for, for, for me. But yeah, I, I, I completely see the concerns, though. It is one of those different prospects in a very busy time. Okay, so moving on from The Last Guardian then, uh, we sort of got into the uh, VR section. Um, the VR section was very interesting. Obviously, this is this is Sony's next big thing. Um, mm. This was a very games-focused conference. There wasn't too much talk about the VR. They just gave a date, and, a, and, a, and uh, that's great. Um, yeah. But they had... Sony have, done, Sony have done that quite well throughout all of their conferences about VR, because the problem when you do have VR is you've got uh, normally a select amount of gormless looking people on stage with their mouths open and no eyes can't whilst moving around and then you can't sort of really see what's going on you just see sort of like a slightly jerky person on a big screen moving around yeah so the fact that they've <clears throat> they've strayed away from that and actually just shown game or shown experience well, is, is is really good for, for vr is you notoriously can't... tough to demo yeah uh, it and is you, and it you is, can't... it's very much playing is <clears throat> is believing really and you can't always have John Carmack on stage demoing Minecraft. I mean, come on, guys! I, I loved oh, that. How excited was he? <laughs> someone said, someone said on Twitter that he sounds like he sounds like a neighbour in an American sitcom the way he introduced himself, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was fantastic. But that he, is it. he did. He really did. Just yeah. So the VR, uh, we we first off saw the uh, Final Fantasy fifteen VR. <laughs> um, the the stuff I've heard about that coming out of people having played it now. It's not great. And, <laughs> and I feel like, and this is really upsetting, uh, I'm actually getting more and more excited about 15 as it goes on. Um, but the more it seems to be adding way too much to it now, and it seems, considering this game has taken a, taken a long time, just like The Last Guardian, they are. I am fearing that they are trying to do way too much to make this game appeal. Um, and adding vr at like a cheap mini game almost vr with one character just kind of warping around shooting a little gun ah oh, i fear for final fantasy 15 i don't know about you guys um I, i'm i'm not the biggest final fantasy fan or follower but watching that brief bit of the demo it did look like a out of all the things that sony have sort of shown and the, the brief bits that I've played at shows that were tech demos, uh, like the London Heist, this one did kind of feel like a, an afterthought tech demo. Yeah, absolutely. Just to just to ride that wave, I think, and generate you know that sort of hype for Final Fantasy fifteen. And then we saw the Star Wars uh, X Wing VR exclusive. Yeah. Which we saw a tiny bit of that in the EA conference as well, but yeah, we ne- we now know it's a separate thing. It's its own little game. So that is when I picture a good game in VR. That is the game. That is the type of game I that's, imagine. That's your benchmark. That is my benchmark. Obviously, there is. Uh, I'm not sure PlayStation VR is going to allow you to walk around the room like a Vive does, or a Vive, uh, however you guys pronounce it. Um, it's so I think being static and sitting down. And that type of thing is very much going to be a part of what PlayStation VR is going to be about. So that type of game, sitting in a cockpit, flying around in an X-Wing, something like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have always wanted to do. 
that's mm. gonna that's gonna be that's gonna be one of the big big selling points i think i don't know is it i think so um i mean i'm very much expecting eve valkyrie to be free with the psvr because it was for the rift if i remember rightly wasn't it mm-hmm. was it free um, I, i'm not sure about being free it, i think i i i know it was part of the package or something like that uh, I think when you got the when the Oculus announced, it was the game that was paired with it. Um, so, I, and I know Valkyrie is coming for PSVR, so I'd be surprised if they didn't put that with it as well if it was already there. So we're going to get a few kind of spacey-looking games, but yeah, that's the one that everybody's going to go. Yep, fan service. This now, thank you. <laughs> what about you guys, uh, Johnny, Jordan, Chris? Uh, what are you thinking of the VR showcase? Uh, we had Farpoint as well. The sort Interesting of game. The Martian, the VR game. Um, how, how, how are you thinking? That looked pretty cool to me. But then it sort of segued into Call of Duty. That also looked like VR. Yeah, that was that was a red herring, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Chris, what are you thinking of VR? Uh, have you tried much of the PlayStation VR already? What are you thinking? Um, no, literally once. I've had literally one experience of VR, and it was very much a, a, a much gentler experience. Um, not, it was like a, a strategy game. Um, not like a really kind of whiz bang, you are there, type experience. But I was really, I mean, that one thing it really kind of sold me on VR. Just, um, just the whole kind of being within a world. It's, it's definitely like I said earlier on. It's very much a playing is believing type thing. And I think the the X Wing, um, you know, demo that they showed off is is probably the best example of that sort of thing. Um, I'm I'm kind of I kind of tuned out the rest of the VR because that's something that personally to me is probably not going to be a reality for a little while just yet. Okay, uh, Jordan, what about you? What were you thinking of VR PlayStation? Uh, I've kind of I've played with the Oculus a little bit, so I'm kind of cautious about if all the games coming to PlayStation VR are just going to be experiences. They're only like five minutes long. I can see that happening with something like the X-Wing, uh, but Farpoint seems to be like... Yeah, that looks really s- interesting. S- yeah, it's, yeah, that, it's that, that had... kind of weird mix between Pitch Black and Starship Troopers in a way. Yeah, It was very weird as well, because I think um, what I've gathered from a lot of VR demos is they've, they only show off one gameplay element. Like, whether you're fighting in a starship or, uh, or you're shooting a gun. Uh, but Farpoint was the first one I saw that was VR exclusive that... Seem to have a lot of gameplay elements about it, like exploring, uh, combat, and doing puzzles and that type of thing. It, it had like a whole range of different mechanics, and uh, it looked pretty exciting to me. Um, Johnny, what were you thinking of that? Hmm. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm excited for VR, even though I've n- not tried any of the headsets. But yeah, I've not yet to try an Oculus, a Vive, a PSVR. Um. Even though I really, really, really want to. Um. I'm I'm very excited for its potential, which is what is keeping me going in terms of VR. It's more the promise right now that has me, you know, kind of going. Like that's that's why I have a PSVR pre-order going. Like I I, I can't buy an Oculus. I can't buy a Vive. Not just because of its price. It's they're both obscenely expensive, but also because my PC is about to kick the bucket at some point because mm. it's because <laughs> it's, it's nearly four years. It's nearly five years old at this point. And okay. And um. Uh, at least with PlayStation Four, like you know, it's a it's a you know kind of fixed platform. So, yeah, I'm I'm very excited for PSVR. I'm very excited to play Star Wars um, Battlefront VR or the Battlefront VR experience for it. Um, um, 
It's 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 yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very sad. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I think I think it's one of those things we we're beginning to get some really good things because Sony are behind it and because they can have that direct relationship with um, the big studios that have got the money to throw into it. I mean, we 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 got Oculus, of course, and Oculus are doing absolutely amazing things, working with indie people and creating great stuff. Um, there's the VR Umbrella uh, group who do great stuff as well, and there's lots of game jams and such that are trying to utilize this and and bring new experiences with it. But with the money makers, they seem really behind PSVR, and it is one of those things that that might completely disappear in two years' time if if it tanks. Yeah. But we've you, you, there's a lot with it, and uh, we'll come on to one. Uh, just to recap, so I just had a little look. Eve Valkyrie came with the Oculus Rift with the pre-orders. Okay. So I wouldn't be surprised if it comes as a launch title for for PS4. But one of the things it does very well, and one of the things that you get a lot of on PlayStation, are scary games. Yeah. So let's fast and forward. Having, then. having having played what we're about to do in the normal thing on the demo <laughs> i'm very excited for what this is going to be like in vr okay so then let's fast forward to that while we're talking about vr then we might as well encompass this as well we saw uh kitchen has now become resident evil 7 or was always going to be resident evil 7 very cleverly disguised um by capcom uh i've played the demo it's very very different from resident evil we've seen and even resident evil 1 uh and mm. 2 completely not the type of survival horror that we're seeing in this PT-inspired Resident Evil 7. Uh, what are you guys thinking about Resident Evil 7 then? Um, Chris, I know you've played the demo. Uh, how, how do you find it? Yeah, um, uh, I enjoyed it quite a lot, actually. Um, I th- it's interesting, uh, I should point out, that Capcom has said that this isn't going to be part of the finished game. It's like very much, it's a taster which is sort of getting you used to the atmosphere and, and the feel of the game rather than actually being, you know, a vertical slice of the of the, of the finished version. Um, so getting that out of the way, I mean, I think it's flawed in some ways. I think there is a little bit of a reliance on horror tropes. It's like the mannequins are a little bit done to death. Um, the whole kind of you walk out of a room and then you hear a bump in another room. It's uh, that's a little bit familiar. Um, there were, I mean, there there were genuinely two two occasions where I I sort of gasped out loud. And one of them was just a guy walking past a doorway because it's just w- when you're in a, yeah. a house that seems empty mm. and then you turn around and you just see someone there. That was that genuinely kind of, kind of scared me a little. And that happens after you've done quite a bit in the demo. Yes, as well. exactly, so exactly. You've kind of got uncomfortable to what's happening and you're kind of yeah. like, oh, unnerved for a while. Then you're yeah. kind of like, oh, I've done some things. There's definitely no one here. It's just unnerving. Then a guy yeah. walks past the door. And, Obviously, uh, there's there's Texas Chainsaw vibes with the actual, the, the house itself and the way it's presented. But there's, yeah. I mean, there's this really kind of overt Blair Witch Blair Witch Project nod, which kind of, as someone who was genuinely quite freaked out by the ending of that film, that was that genuinely got me a little bit sort of worked up. So, uh, I mean, yeah, as as a taster, I thought I thought it was quite good. It's doing a very different thing from PT, I think, but it's there is it does have the burden of having to you know having to be a full game, even if that isn't quite part of it. It has to demonstrate things in in, in a different way to PT, which was just a kind of very much. A singular kind of one-off thing. 
So, uh, Johnny, have you also played the demo? I have the demo on the PS4, but I've not touched it yet because, like, like, like I said, with Halo Wars, like, it's a free for all running ragged. So <laughs> I've not had a chance yet, but I really want to play it. Like, so I think I'll play it tonight, anyways. Um, and Jordan, what about you? Have you played it? Uh, yeah, I played it yesterday morning, and it's pretty cool. That's the wrong time to play it. You should play it when it's super dark at night. I, I do mean to play it again. <laughs> I'll get around to it. I think I saw on your Twitter, Jordan, that you uh, turned it on and then you were like, yeah, no, this is this is, this is is too scary. <laughs> um, I played it late at night, actually. I played it and um, my son was upstairs and he got up to go to the toilet and he's in a bunk bed. And what he likes to do instead of climbing down his ladder, he likes to jump down off the top. Oh, that so I'm bastard. playing this game and I'm playing this game and then upstairs is like this massive bang and I'm like oh my god. <laughs> speaking <laughs> like of that, speaking did anyone did anyone see the uh, little video that Rory at IGN posted of Gav playing? Uh, Gav Murphy playing. Oh god, so, I haven't good. yet. Oh god, I, I bet I, that's, I can that's imagine. gotta be worth watching. That's gotta be. So worth Rory, Gav is always good. It's just on Twitter. And Rory, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, works at IGN, one of the video producers there. And Gav Murphy, Gav is playing the demo with headphones on in the office uh, as soon as it, it was available. And uh, Rory just sneaks up behind him and pokes him in the back, and Gav oh, freaks no. the fuck out. <laughs> it's great. This big burly Welshman, big beard, freaks the hell out. It's great. Um, so, Sean, you were speaking about the VR portion of this as well. So this game is fully playable in VR, which yeah. even though maybe the demo isn't representation isn't a representation of the final game, it seems that the final game is going to be in first person, which will be that, a first. Yeah, and it's one of those things that's really interesting when you play the demo. Um, the, the different modes that it has that still captures the scares but in different ways um without spoiling it you 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 have a video a vhs video that you put in and you then act through the portion of the video so you're still complicit you're not just sat back and watching something yeah you're a part of the video yeah and i wonder how much of that has been developed with vr in mind and if you're using the um the analog stick it does feel very very much like you are controlling a head rather than you are controlling where you're looking as a view camera. <laughs> it's got that kind of floaty, very direct kind of feel, uh, which I would imagine once you've got the headset on and you look around, will keep everything quite stable and quite yeah. quite scary for you when you're on it. <laughs> but it is, it's, it's really interesting to sort of see how it's developed for both and works for both without losing one element or another to pander to either side, either VR or, or straight controls. So, uh, Chris, do you know a little more about how the VR is going to work, or uh, in the final game? Is it? I don't. I don't. I will say that one of the that is one of the challenges of VR in in terms of the movement. The game that I played was, it was literally you were just looking into this world and you could snap to different camera positions, and that worked without kind of making you feel nauseous. I think. Um, mm. I think obviously comfort is is a big factor in in VR experiences, and that's going to be something that. Uh, developers struggle to to kind of deal with but on top of that there's the whole issue with you know as, as sean alluded to it's like it feels like you're kind of guiding ahead which 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 is going to be weird although it instantly gave me yeah. the idea of what if you what if there was a horror game where you were playing as some kind of disembodied head maybe that would do you remember do you guys remember a game called never dead never dead i was literally very bad game but uh, it, yeah it's ter- it terrible but yeah i, I yeah. mean an interesting kind of concept at least um, um, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how how that would work. Obviously, Sean's got 
first-hand experience of that. But um, I I enjoyed it as it was, sort of just as a non-VR experience. Mm. I think in I, VR yeah, it would I'm... be absolutely terrifying. I will say before we quickly move on for, uh, from Resident Evil, anyone listening who hasn't played the demo, um, definitely give it a go. Uh, hmm. you, you do need PlayStation Plus to download it, but that isn't too much of an issue. Um, one of the things I'll play, uh, say is uh, play it a few times. That hmm. demo actually has a lot of secrets in it and a lot of things that you can do. Uh, you can spend a few hours doing it, very similar to PT. Um, just before we quickly move on as well, the one thing I find about horror games in VR is um, what makes it so incredibly different is if something pops up on the screen and you're playing it without VR on, you can look away. But the um, absolutely special thing about VR, I think, is when something pops up and you move your head away, you are still in that house. You are still in the game. And I think that is absolutely terrifying. Mm. Um, There are many times, like, um, in... Well, there are a few times in the Resident Evil demo, I'm not going to spoil it, but things happen or things jump out and I was like, turn away from the screen. But with VR, I turn away and just see more like Mm. mannequins or more things in my face. Truly, truly (laughs) nerve-wracking. There's a lot of um, indie VR kind of experiences which are coming to PlayStation as well. Uh, Things like Five Nights at Freddy's um, and and stuff like that, which, which are very much designed just to scare you in a very short period of time yeah resident evil does feel like the kind of thing especially after the kitchen demo as well like there is a very dedicated um effort at creating an entire whole game experience but enough that you can put it down if you need to because Mm. you don't want to spend hours in vr without losing a really good game in the process as well for people that don't have it and i think if anybody is going to make that work and it feels like they have, it's going to be Capcom. It's going to be using the Resident Evil franchise. Sean, I'm really, really sorry to interrupt. Um, really enjoying talking to you. I've, I've left it as light as I possibly could, but I really do have to go and I've got to pick up my son no. from school. No um, problem. No, I've left no it literally the last minute I'm going to have to run. So um, it's That's been really great talking to you guys. I'm sorry I can't stay on any longer. No worries. But, um, Thank you so no much worries. for joining us, uh, Chris. Thank you so much. Um, and we'll, Cheers, speak, we'll speak no to worries. you again soon. Yeah, speak to you soon. Cheers, thanks for having me. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Chris. See Bye. you soon. Remember to save your audio. And yeah. he's <laughs> <Andy's> gone. <laughs> um, and he's gone. Yeah, so carrying on. Uh, so let's fast forward a bit. Can, I, can I just jump on. in quickly before we get off the Resident Evil? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, uh, um, check out the Easy Allies reaction for that reveal. That is my everything right now. Honest to God. I think I watched that. I, I saw it, I saw it on Twitter and it... It was very much the Final Fantasy last year, and the Shenmue. It was very reminiscent of them, the GT guys, uh, the game trailers guys, uh, reacting to Shenmue's announcement last year as well. Um, So let's move on from Resident Evil because Sony, (laughs) much to our excitement then, but our detriment now, had a lot (laughs) in their conference. Um, So then we saw uh, Call of Duty uh, Infinite Warfare, which was a red herring because it was like, holy shit, what is this game? This game's really exciting. Oh, it's COD. Whoa, what's going on? I, I was excited about a Call of Duty game for a second there. Um, that looks pretty good. Very, very different. Um, I I wonder how much of a deliberate red herring that was. Because it did seamlessly go in from VR into this, and then suddenly it's like, oh yeah, it's Call of Duty. And nobody actually questioned, I thought if this is a portion of a game that actually works in VR? I thought it was VR. I thought it was VR. I thought it was like, I finally get to be the captain of my own Normandy in vr type game being the captain of my own spaceship 
Um, so that looked pretty good. Um, then we we came into a game which I consider one of my top three of the show, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. That game looked superb last year, and I think it's looking even better this year. That game looks fantastic. How are you guys feeling about uh, Horizon Zero Dawn? Um, I don't really, I don't really know. It's one of those games that I like the look of, I like the idea of. I can see where it's got its um, initial things from, and and is making making its own game out of it. But I, I just don't know what I'm excited about with it. Like everybody saying, oh, I love the uh, the fact that it's the two disproportionate things of robots and uh, robots and um, sort of low tech hunting and stuff like that. I was like, oh, I love the look of the world. I love the protagonist. I love the way it goes. And I'm kind of not excited about us a bit enough to be excited about the game as a whole if that makes sense okay i get i get what you mean um what about you johnny how are you feeling what's the goal okay i i'm at the point of not of not caring about infinity ward games because um not necessarily all call of duty games because i think Treyarch does great stuff and uh I felt Sledgehammer really nailed it out of the park with um, Advanced Warfare, but um, I'm just kind of feeling meh anytime I see an Infinity Reward card <laughs> game. And I, I realise that's kind of a bit of a disrespectful thing to say, but like, to be honest, they put out the most disrespectful card game in Ghost, so whatever. <laughs> so so what about Horizon Zero Dawn then? What, what are your thoughts uh, on Horizon? Yes, Horizon. Looking... Okay, so you're excited about that I, one. I'm excited for that one, yes, very much so. I am stoked for that one. Um, yes, um, it's really... It's a bit of a juxtaposition, really, to see Gorilla go from Killzone and the first-person shooter genre to an RPG, a open-world RPG, as big as Horizon. Um, but it's it looks fantastic. It's great concept like i loved what i saw on uh monday at the sony presser like it's just it just yeah. speaks to me on every level like yeah like the same man is understatement of the century jordan how are you feeling uh about horizon Dawn? are you excited oh it looks fantastic i'm not big on the Killzone games i thought Shadowfall was a bit rubbish but seeing that they're doing something completely different with this is really good it is, It is. as Donnie was saying, and as you sort of alluded to then, uh, it is a huge departure for Guerrilla. You know, very safe, made Killzone games for a long time. Uh, the one on the PlayStation Vita was kind of the most experimental one they made, but it is really good to see them pushing their tech, because their tech has always been pretty good, um, into this sort of new light, and I think it looks really good. Um so moving on then from Horizon Zero Dawn, we saw David Cage's new game. Yes, uh, Detroit, saw... Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry to put on like this, but can I just say, I've been looking forward to this game ever since before it became a game, if that makes sense, because I... Lo- so the, the Cara demo yes. is... Yeah. Yes, the Cara demo. Like I, um, when that was first unveiled in 2012, I was kind of thinking, please let this be a game at some point. I would play the shit out of this game. And lo and behold, Detroit's here. Now, I'll, I'll uh, up front... I have a bit of soft spot for Quantic Dream. I know most others don't, but I have a bit of soft spot for Quantic. Like I, I, I really liked Fahrenheit. I love um, Heavy Rain, and and I'll say this up front as well. And I say this to someone who's a bit of an Ellen Page fan. I thought Beyond was shit, and 
But although oh well, acting wise it was fine, but everything else was shit. But <laughs> but Detroit just oh, like it is that car demo in a game form, and like I'm 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 happy to see that turned into a game. I really loved what we saw with, um, the showing at the presser on Monday, and um, um, admittedly. Um, the fact it gives you a, it seems to give you a lot more choice now, in in this one than it did in any previous Quantic game. Like I, I can't remember any Quantic Dream giving you so much choice and having so many different outcomes. Like the only- to be fair, I can't I can't really remember them giving me much choice about anything. Very much smoke and mirrors type choices. Like um, in their previous games. Like the only game that they did that kind of gives you that much choice is Heavy Rain. Even then, that was the end. But it seems like this time they're doing it for all the game, like rather than just one part of the end. Because like with Heavy Rain, you got like twenty odd endings, depending on the choice you make throughout the game. Whereas with this one, it just feels a bit more embedded towards the entirety of the game. So, um, the only thing I can hope for is that David Cage has actually gotten some decent script writers this time, decent dialogue writers. But other than that, um, I'm very excited for uh, Detroit. Very, very much so. Very, very excited. Very excited. I I felt like in the demo they showed, or well, at least the presentation of it, that you could fail way more than you could succeed. Like almost every outcome they showed, that alternative outcome was either the girl dying, the character you were playing dying, the perpetrator um, dying with you, or just everyone dying. There only seemed to be like one good outcome out of like 20. And I found that really odd that they didn't show more ways of you sort of re- resolving a situation. Um, what about Sean? What are you thinking about Quantic Dream then? It's a new game. Um, it's kind of weird because I don't really have, I've not really been a, a massive player of the previous Quantic games, but from seeing the original trailer, which was very much Philip K. Dick, psychological future world, um, rights of um, a subclass, if you will, uh, to this where somebody's a detective out of nowhere and you get masses and masses and masses of choice. I'm worried it's going to be very small bits of situations where you get masses and masses and masses and masses and masses of, of different decisions but only get to do it five times and the rest of it will be a bit of a movie. And I also don't really know what it is meant to be from a narrative point of view, because it was quite definitive before that the, these are a servant class kind of people who may be uprising and getting a little bit annoyed with humans. And now it's kind of, well, you're a detective now. And it's it, it sort of shifted its paradigm in a way that sort of kind of made me think, uh, yeah, I, I what, get what, what are you trying to be? And I say, because I'm not really a great player of Quantic Games, uh, Quantic Games and... Um, Obviously, the, the, the reputations and everybody else's opinion kind of permeates everything anyway. So I think, I think I'll think i let this one breathe more. Um, hopefully, if I get some time with it, then maybe I can make much more of a decision. I'm kind of waiting to see where it's, where it's going to position itself. Okay. I think more than anything. Okay. Then um, sort of moving on from that then, um, we saw a little announcement, very cool announcement of... Crash remastered. Um, Jordan, how are you feeling about seeing some Crash Bandicoot games? Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of 
on the fence about it because they it'd be really nice. I'm glad we're seeing remasters of the original games instead of a new one. So I'm not sure how a new Crash game would work nowadays. But <laughs> how are you guys feeling about the Skylanders Crash design? And are you worried that that design will be the one they use in the remasters? It looks so creepy. <laughs> he looks weird. He looks like if someone shortened Simon Miller and <laughs> made made him a bandicoot, this beefy beefy bandicoot. Um, it's still it's weird. I I kind of don't get the 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 nostalgia for for Crash, but then I I wasn't really expecting to announce anything Crash because Sony would announce it not. Activision and Activision weren't there because Activision own it, etc., etc. And I, I, I wasn't sure that there was enough of that fan nostalgia out there to remaster free games. One, maybe, maybe the first. Yeah, one, like an experimental free. case. Yeah, that was a, yeah. a little odd. But I, I did suddenly realise like the nostalgia that people have for Crash is the same nostalgia that I have for Sonic and things like that. So it is very much a an age thing. And I think there's a lot, a lot of older people who probably aren't playing games, and a lot of people that are a bit younger than me who aren't going to their mid thirties and cynical of the world, <laughs> but remember Crash very, very fondly. So it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's kind of um, perfect for them. And when I think of it that way, I am shocked that Activision haven't done it before. Really, that's very true. Yeah, Johnny, how are you feeling about Crash? Are you excited to see it, or is it just sort of eh? Yeah, it's a bit of an air moment. Like, I was kind of excited to see Crash at the presser, just to kind of say, finally, they're getting it out of the way, because we know we've been expecting it now for nearly a year or so. Because, like, obviously, we saw Sean Layden with the shirt, PlayStation Experience, yeah, with the- <laughs> in yeah. December. And I'm quite glad he made a nod to that um, beforehand. Yeah. But it's more of a, yeah, well, I'm glad it's happening, but, like, they should have shown us something, something besides Skylanders. I mean, I wouldn't say no. Um, no, no, but, neither would I. No, no. Yeah, but I feel like the best part of that announcement was just the... The announcement itself. Was just the shadow that appeared on stage <laughs> behind Sean Layden as he walked across. Um, so moving on from that, uh, we are getting a Spider-Man game uh, from Insomniac. And after playing Sunset Overdrive last year... I am very, very on board with Insomniac making a Spider-Man game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the right, right. It's the right developer for that game, definitely. And I mean, there have been Spider-Man games that have been good. I mean, we, we kind of, with the exception of a couple of the DC things like Arkham and that, we do kind of pigeonhole um, a lot of the comic book games into a ah, they could be better kind of yeah. thing. But despite there, there are a couple of Spider-Man games that have kind of Spider-Man kind Two of left that. Spider-Man Two yeah. was a superb game. Yeah, it was. superb. Yeah. But, so I, I'm quite excited, and I think it's the right developer to do that uh, because they'll have the sense of humour of of Spider-Man, and obviously it's going to get released in time with whatever's happening in the Marvel movie phase as well. I mean, that's that's obviously going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, in, interesting. Do you feel like um, obviously there was a lot of rumours about Rocksteady making a game? Um, that potentially could have been Spider-Man as well. Uh, obviously, they're making really, Batman really VR. Rocksteady? Like, no, uh, like well, the rumors that were going around. It was Sucker Punch, yeah. Oh, Sucker Punch, yeah, sorry. So the infamous guys, yeah, sorry. Um, I feel like Insomniac have, like, recently, although kind of underrated, I think they've proved themselves to be able to handle such a thing like this. Ratchet & Clank, I think, turned out superb. And in, uh, Sunset Overdrive was 
I really, really enjoyed that game. Um, so I'm I'm nothing but excited about this. I think it's going to be really good. Um, I'm I'm ready to be swinging across New York as a cocky Spider-Man. That's for sure. I, I definitely want to wait and see more of it, but I think that first trailer definitely there's promise there, anyways. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, John, uh, have you got anything to say on Spider-Man before we move on to sort of the end of the Sony press conference? Uh, I think it looks pretty cool. I think, as you said, Insomniac have proven they can make a really compelling open world of Sunset Overdrive. So if they translate some, some of the traversal from that game into Spider-Man, it will probably be pretty awesome. I wonder if, like Sunset Overdrive, um, Spider-Man will have any fourth wall neo-gaff breaking jokes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know about that. At the end of Sunset Overdrive, there's a lot of uh, references to places like NeoGaf, uh, which is God. I still find really strange. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of fourth wall stuff. Having yeah. just watched, um, having just watched Deadpool last night for the first time, Spider-Man is definitely going to be the only other game that will allow such fourth wall yeah. <laughs> breaking. So yeah, I'll have that. Do you remember the narrator in the old Spider-Man games? Like I it was back know, on PS1 or like. Spider-Man 2, it had the narrator who'd walk you through the tutorials who'd constantly break the fourth wall. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do I do those? not remember that. I do not remember that. I think I was like t- but let's... 10 years old or something. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so then moving on from Spider-Man, coming to the end of the conference, we saw Mr. Hideo Kojima himself mm-hmm. come, down, come down to some epic music. Mad Max music. in time... Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, he's a huge fan of George Miller's Mad Max. Um, not in time with the lights that his that were meant to be <laughs> under his feet, which was really, really funny, and I love Kojima for that. Um, yeah. We saw Norman Reedus, which was... I don't know why no one expected that. That, that was, I think that was just I, obvious. I'll t- tell you why no one expected that. It's because he's been on a massive bender for the past 10 months. <laughs> just traveling all over the world it's sort of like yeah 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 you know you're, in, you're trying to work out what you're trying to do and what's going to happen but because I, he's such a crazy work person he's actually been using it as a working holiday and doing i think i totally come up with a concept i totally think that was on purpose i think kojima purposely was saying to the press and everyone no no i'm just i'm just researching technology and I'm, I'm just going around um yeah with and me, this- me and mark cerny we're having a great time drinking some german beer going around to all these places yeah. and then he's like no this whole time i've been working on my game and mark is you know technical producer on this as well so I think he had it's, that idea for ages, and then he was like, "I think he did as well." Finally, yeah. I get to do this, and obviously, and we saw the trailer. How are we feeling about the trailer? It's 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 really weird because I, I looked at the credits at the trailer at the end, and one of the credits, not um, Cerny, but um, underneath it, there's the SIE Visual Studios Lab, which is one of the places that he visited in January. There's lots of pictures uh, of him there. Yeah, there's, yeah, which is funny so, because that's kind of I like. Look a, at it, it's like a red herring almost. <laughs> he was like, I'm, yeah. I'm totally here, guys. Don't worry. I'm not doing anything. I'm just experimenting. Yeah. He was making that so, whole trailer that whole time. <laughs> yeah. So so, so I've, I've said this in, in, in a piece that, that's gone out for a website today. Uh, but basically, like you leave a job and, you know, sometimes you might steal a pen or something like that, some kind of stationery. Like when Kojima left Konami, he obviously went to where Silent Hills was, took all the 3D assets that he had of a naked Norman Reedus, <laughs> and just went, right, see ya! <laughs> <laughs> and, um, then, and then we and then we have this this now, which is 
utterly unsurprising when we think about it and brilliantly mesmerizing while showing us absolutely nothing it's, it's great it's, it's video games like so John, johnny you did a lot of researching into this and you found a lot of cool information about it um obviously the title is death stranding um referencing the cerulean stranding of the sort of beach whales and that type of thing um but you notice stuff like on the dog tags that he's uh wearing yeah um, it's worth noting first off um like there's a really great piece uh I linked to yesterday on twitter um by holly nielsen uh, i know holly was meant to join us here um, unfortunately yes holly was meant to be here today yeah she unfortunately got some last minute work that she had to do so unfortunately but yes you're right she did a fantastic piece yeah uh, about so, about that trailer yeah so um definitely go to my twitter and check that out i'm at johnny Cumber, by the way um um but yeah there was <laughs> but there was also the dog tags yeah you mentioned that um and some of the dog tags i can't think of the exact equation but there was an, an an equation on those tags, and basically the bottom line of those of that equation was black holes, or or something similar to black holes. So it's referencing some. Uh, I obviously don't know perfect, but it's referencing some recent discovery in the field of sort of like magnetic black holes and uh, that kind of gravitational force. Um, Kojima just adding anything and everything of intrigue into one trailer. <laughs> it's, by the way, can we Incredible. can we just talk about the symbolism of this trailer? Like, Sean, you mentioned about joking, half half joking there, but taking Norman Reedus' naked assets and all that there, naked assets, ass ass assets, ass assets. But there is it's a multiple pun. That's my point. But there really is, in all seriousness, a strong symbolism. Like, obviously, there is symbolism in everything Kojima does. Like, there's always yeah. tone messages in what Kojima does. Like, obviously, you have to look at Metal Gear and the nuclear, the anti-nuclear messages and what he was doing with that and anti-war messages and all that there. Yeah. Here, with Death Stranding, I feel like, rather than a more general, open symbolism of it, like, it was a very more personal one in terms of his, his leaving of Konami and... Uh, like there was little bits there that made me think of his kind of time towards the end of Metal Gear because obviously we had heard the rumours that he was kind of shackled up like uh, working on Metal Gear to the end and hmm. and obviously he wasn't allowed to go to the Game Awards in uh, December by the way can we just say one thing to, the, to that um, I love the way he said I'm back I love that <laughs> so much I love it it was like the best, like the crowd erupted big time for that. That was the biggest pop I'd heard in any press conference. And Julie, so I loved it. Um, but there, it feels like, like I said, there is so much symbolism in that trailer. Like there's about five dog tags around Norman Reed's neck. There's five delties, I want to call them. Like it is basically like bodies up there but I'm just going to call them delties for a second because it just feels a lot easier like there's five delties five dog tags and there's the obviously the baby and the umbilical cord and all that there like and the handcuffs and, and, the, and the handcuffs especially the handcuffs. the handcuffs um yeah like it just feels like th- this trailer is telling more of about his for the lack of a better term captivity that can now Maybe there's, definitely there's feels a lot like of that. Ha- like handprints on, on Reedus as well. I mean, I know there's handprints in like the oily black sand and stuff, but there's a lot of handprints on on the on the character on on Norman Reedus as you as you look at him. So there is that kind of grab, this kind of prodded, this kind of used 
person kind of feel about that yeah and then he's holding the baby really tight and then the baby obviously disappears and then the prints start walking away from him so i feel like that's him like that's like metal gear escaping from him and is is then in control by these obviously five what i think holly was saying like horsemen of the apocalypse kind of looking people in the sky some Um, some, someone mentioned to me on twitter like that could be more of a parallel universe thing if anything which maybe which will probably tie back into the black holes references as well potentially yeah that's it is also i mean if i'm right if i if i remember rightly the stations of the cross there's five stations of the cross isn't there Am I right? Yeah. Yes, and there's also a cross on Norman Reedus's body. Yeah, and these people, yeah. the way they are stood, are stood like small, small crosses, uh, where they're floating in the air as well. I mean, there's so much we can look into. And there's so much we can. We there's can so it. yeah. It's, it's like when we first saw the Phantom Pain and all the sort of iconic like. You, mm. There was so much in that as well, like the big whale and all the floating cross-like lady mm. and all those amazing, uh, crazy and, things. Like, and Kojima is a great visual author. He can he can make that visual scape look brilliant. He can choose the right music to put in at a point to communicate so much, but also communicate so little. He's very very <laughs> yeah, very like, good at like doing these things. That track he put Spe- in for the trailer was just perfect. For it. perfect speaking for of speaking of that track and speaking of that music, it's by an Icelandic band. Um, who has not Sigur Ros? That's no, first. and it had. They, <laughs> I think they had no idea that Kojima used it um, until like right up until the day, because obviously Kojima was keeping it a secret. And mm. and and then on Twitter they were like, uh, "We had no idea Kojima was a fan <laughs> of our music." And it's like a band with maybe like a thousand followers. Like Kojima just found the CD and then liked it and added it in, which is amazing. Like he just took a gamble on other people liking that as well. And I think what's amazing about it as well is Kojima said to Jeff Keighley as well, he's not decided on a game engine yet either. Oh, he's, so, he's, he's decided. I, 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 I think he's decided. He's, he's just not telling. I, I think he's decided. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's, it's a really odd thing because you look at the trailing and you think, what has this been doning? What is this coming? And I think that that is the one, the questions that I take away from the trailer are more than the answers that I got from it, which is perfect because it means we get to talk about it loads. But I do wonder what kind of game it is. I do wonder what the, what there actually is behind the the magical. Absolutely, he, he, yeah. he said. The, and we, sorry, go on. No, no, carry on. Like he said, on. he said it was going to be action, but not action based, which leads me to believe. Maybe it may. It may <laughs> that's, that's the most non-answer. I know, I know, I know. This is basically a game which has non-answers. I'll admit, but even still, like that's what he said to Kitty. Like it'll have action, but it's not action-based. So, and considering the tone of the trailer and the fact that it has Norman Reedus in it, I have the sneaking feeling that it's going to be PT-esque. Now I'm reluctant to say Metal Gear, but like it's kind of a a survival horror game. That's my kind of feeling. Maybe. Mm, it's very interesting. I just, in typical Kojima fashion, I think almost anything we think of could be possible. Like, uh. like it's worth noting as well, like, obviously, like obviously I mentioned the kind of messaging he does in trailers, like anti-nukes, anti-war. Like, I'm really interested to see how Kojima tackles t- uh, messaging and themes that he's never done before in stuff like Metal Gear games or... Stuff like obstacle bog tires and the Enders, um, like, um, like, 
environmental disasters like you obviously see the crabs the oil the whales and there does feel like there is a religious motif to it as well with the cross on a little bit on yeah. on, on Reed's, uh mm. abdomen and his torso and you know like five delties in the sky um you know shaped like crosses and like when I, and this is a bit of a personal note element, but like when I saw those five deltas up in the sky, that was when I went, okay, what the fuck? Um, but <laughs> yeah. there's like, I think this is Kojima, like there's very few developed, I think this is how obvious now, considering how long we've been talking about um, Death Stranding, um, um, is that very few developers can hold a captive audience. Like Rockstar is one of them, the other is Kojima. Like there's others that I, I'm sure that I, that I can do as well. I'm just not thinking of. But Kojima is just one of those few rare developers that can hold a captive audience in his hand, and they'll just mm-hmm. buy up anything he does. And this is just another example of it. And I, I, I think it needs needs to say it goes without saying. Like this is Kojima's first new IP in what 15 years since Zone of the Enders. And yeah, yeah, and I think it's needed to say we're very excited to see what comes of it because it seemed like he see like something I'll, I'll note as well. Um, he looked genuinely happy to announce that game on Monday. Um, whereas he did look very excited. Like, like I've not seen Kojima that happy in a long, long time, if ever. Like with Metal Gear, like I'm sure he was proud of his work with Metal Gear, and, and rightfully so. I love the Thunder Pain, but. It did feel like, obviously, he wanted to leave Metal Gear for a long time. Like, he wanted to do all the stuff, but, you know, Konami kind of forced him to go, no, we want you to do more Metal Gear, um, because it's the, you know, it banks the money. And fair enough, it it does, because it's, you know, Konami's biggest IP. Although, whether that's yeah. the same now, it obviously goes, is rather another question, because obviously, is not there. But, uh, it just felt like there was so much joy seeing that from Kojima. Like he was so happy to see that, and like to see him in front of stage, in front of people again on that stage on Monday night, like saying, "I'm back. Here's my new game. Hope you enjoy it." It was everything. It was everything. And I say this as someone who's the biggest Kojima fan, perhaps here, because like Metal Gear Solid remains so much to me, both from a personal and professional perspective. It was my favorite yeah. game up to a point a few years ago. Um, it made me want to write about games. It helped me during the worst period in my life. And um, I can't thank Kojima enough for what he's done, like for the games he's put out. And I, and I think that goes for the same to everyone else that's played his games. But I'm so. Uh, it feels like I'm rambling now, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but it just does feel like this is going to be something special because you know this is kind of a pent up creative frustration that Kojima's had in him for such a long time, mm. and to kind of round this up, it's I feel like once we do get to see more of it, it's just going to be something special. When that is, that's another entirely different question. But needless to say. Kojima, like I said, can hold a captive audience in his hand and he's more or less done it again here. Excellent. So I think we'll move on from PlayStation. I, Days Gone was obviously the last thing shown, but I literally could not be less excited about that if I tried. Um, James, James Franco's Sons of Anarchy, World War Z, Walking Dead area. Strange thing to Works add. if af- you put them in, but... Strange thing to add after Kojima... Uh, announces his game, that, which that, would have been that was a no. That's the one negative point I will take from Sony in that. Yeah, like, I agree. Like in that, I think Days Gone should have been perhaps demoed towards the end, but not 
at the end, and maybe unveiled at not at the end, but towards the end. Yeah, I think. Yes, I think I, I I actually think putting Spider Man after Kojima was not a good move, unless something happened that perhaps could have been at the end of the press conference was pulled at the last second, which leads me to yeah. believe maybe Neo, even though they, even though Andy House had said last week they weren't going to show Neo at E3, like maybe I think Kojima should have ended it. Like I think maybe yeah, yeah absolutely maybe maybe Day, agree more. maybe Day's gone. Uh, could have been towards the end. Maybe Sp- like Spider-Man definitely should have been p- before Kojima Anonymous, but I definitely think Kojima should have ended it Anonymous. A lot much for sure. Uh, okay, oh, so... Could I just jump in? Yeah, sorry, Sean. I, yeah, Jordan, yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I heard a few rumours online that perhaps Red Dead 2 was going to be at the end of the show, but the CG trailer they had took place in a saloon, which would have been conflicted or fought because of the Orlando shootings, it would have been in bad taste. To show something like that mm. at the end and have it. There's there's also quite a lot of Mafia Free that wasn't really shown yeah. Yeah, that's in true. any of the conferences, but Sony did release a video <laughs> on there on the PlayStation uh, thing with a PlayStation branded Mafia Free thing with E3 2016. So I imagine that was something that was due to be shown. Actually, but, I can I can actually I can actually clarify this for you a little bit. Um, Hangar 13 was at uh, not at the press, but like they showed a quite substantial bit of Mafia Free. Uh, on an IGN stream because that, this was planned before and before yeah. Orlando, um, but before the press, sorry, not press conference. Although it was before the press conference, they had, uh, actually issued a statement uh, in regards mm. to Orlando, and I thought it was the most classiest thing ever. So, like, it was if Mafia Free was there, or it was meant to be there. Like, I'm sure it was Sony that pulled it, but certainly not 2K Animals because like they they showed it on IGN before the Bethesda presser. So yeah, and and did and did their little. At the little um, speech beforehand as well. So, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Well, I think if Red Dead 2 was at the end, um, I think that game is far too big to have not been announced. And I don't think, I don't, I don't know. I don't work at Rockstar anymore. I haven't for almost a year now. I don't think Rockstar would have allowed Sony to pull it. No. Because Rockstar oh, okay. will only hold that game and they will only announce it when they are absolutely ready and i feel like if they were ready to announce it at e3 and the timing was perfect for them they nothing would have stopped them no and it's it's something that it, same with grand theft auto they don't actually need e3 they're big enough yeah. that they don't need to do that they can just put a video so, online i mean if it, if we'll see it yeah i mean if it's coming yeah maybe that would be great but um i mean i don't know what's coming as opposed for DLC for Grand Theft Auto 5. Maybe there was something in that that was due to come, like the supposed Liberty City thing, or maybe parts of Vice City, who knows? Uh, but because the, there is rumours, isn't there, of um, Liberty City GTA add-on mm. that's that sort of spread up over recent times. Maybe that was going to be shown. Potentially. Um, potentially, yeah. Potentially, who, who knows? But um, yeah, I mean, Rockstar are big enough, they will announce something on their own recognizance and everybody will lap it up. So it would be great. <laughs> well, I think I think we've spoken enough about um, Sony, and I th- actually we're going to add Chris back into the call because he's returned. So to, <laughs> fi- to finish finish off the uh, the excellent massive rundown we've had of the conferences, we're going to finish obviously with Nintendo. Uh, so let's invite Chris back in and let's talk about mm-hmm. Nintendo.
Okay, so now we're on to Nintendo, and we have Chris. Mr. Chris Schilling is back with us. Um, only two games to talk about here, chaps. Um, there's going to be a lot more again today. With We should mention that there will be a, a new 3DS IP announced today as well. Unfortunately, we're recording this before all that happens. Um, and like Nintendo, we're going to start with Pokemon. <laughs> we're going to start with Pokemon, guys. <laughs> Just to... <laughs> brace yourselves brace yourselves for 50 minutes of Pokemon now uh, no joking uh, obviously we have Pokemon Was uh, there was a little show of Pokemon we saw two new Pokemon and really not much else it looks nice looks great I like Pokemon I'm excited about it um, but everything they showed could have been in a trailer like absolutely could have been in a trailer agreed I don't know if I don't know if any of you disagree with someone, me. I think but someone said on Twitter, someone pointed out that they, what they probably should have done is is started off with just a really short direct with maybe the trailers for the, for the two games. Maybe they, they could have maybe done like a little um, sort of sizzle reel or whatever they call it of, of the other stuff that they've got coming mm. out, and then and then they could have started with the the other stuff. As it kind of came across as like a really sort of slow start to a presentation, mm. but it was. I mean, it was it was essentially just the same thing as the. The same format as the treehouse stuff that they've done in the past, but it was just that they started off with it, so it felt weird, really. It just kind of felt like a really slow way to start it. Well, it was on. It, it's funny because obviously they've split what they're doing into two days. Uh, today they're streaming um, uh, Sharp FE, which is which is out next week. Oh so my that god! Like a I am so excited for that. I, I'm, I'm actually calling it performer. Because it's basically Persona as, you know... But performing. Yeah, but with, <laughs> nice. with Japanese idols instead. I'm excited for it. It'll be my nice stopgap before Persona 5. I actually out. I actually own it already. I have the Japanese version. Um, I haven't I haven't got very far in it because my Japanese is very limited. Um, but it's pretty good. Combat's good. It's. I think it's going to get... I think I'm going to get the English version as well. Um, feels like a, a little weird to have a game that's coming out in a week take a big portion of the show like as chris said i think a direct for all the games they're showing and then just being like okay here's all what we have to show about zelda so zelda was i think the biggest game going into three i think the one that most people were looking forward to seeing um because we we've seen games like the last guardian and we've we'd seen all these leaks and all that kind of stuff we've got a title Breath of the Wild, which I think is an exquisite mm. title. I agree. How are you guys, especially for the game, yeah, yeah, for absolutely. The, for the way that it looks, it's Nintendo literally not being very subtle and 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 just being like on the nose. This is all about the world we've created, and the world is the sort of star of the show here. So there was the live stream yesterday with a lot of gameplay shown. How are you guys feeling about Zelda? Let's start with who's going to be the lucky one who gets to talk about Zelda first. Who? Yeah, I'll go. Who want- I'll go as, a, yeah, as, go. as I'll go as the kind of outsider to Zelda. Um, so I have quite a few, well, not quite a few, but a few Zelda games in my collection now. Is I have Ocarina of Time on 3DS. I have Wind Waker HD on my Wii U, and uh, we'll look the past bot on the Wii U VC because um, one of my get- previous guests on my favorite game talked about it. And I was just kind of interested uh, in playing it. So. Um, but I've not really gotten very far in, although one of my resolutions, one of my gaming resolutions for the year is to finish a Zelda game, and I think that's going to be Zelda Wind Waker, which uh, I'm really more inspired to play by because Holly 
talked of it as her favorite game on the show. So, um, um, as an outsider to Zelda, because I'm not the biggest hardcore fan, I'm not a big insider to Zelda, all things Zelda, and I loved it. I genuinely loved the trailer they showed yesterday. I didn't get to see too much gameplay because, like, on the one hand, like five hours of showing gameplay might be a bit too much, but on the other hand. I didn't want to spoil myself too much, so I saw the like first half hour of it, like the first stream they did, and the trailer, and then just kind of conked out after that and just watched um, whatever else was going on at the time. But um, I really loved the trailer, like it just the it, the tone of it was perfect, the music was perfect. Like I actually kind of loved that there's actually going to be voicing in this game. Like I loved, like can we say up front, like we're assuming the voice in that trailer is obviously Princess Zelda, right? Yeah. yeah, so I think so. Definitely, yeah, so like it's I love that, and more than anything, it's USP for me was the art style. I absolutely adore that art style. Like it feels a bit Wind Waker esque to an extent, but also kind of keeping within that realistic Zelda vibe to it, like it has with you know Skyward Sword and all that. There, like you're obviously, you're obviously not going to see Toon Link. Wind Waker and this one is obviously just still still same realistic Zelda but that kind of art style feel that reminds me of Wind Waker and that is the USP for for that game for me I absolutely adored it and uh, I really loved what I seen yesterday of it um, coming in as an outsider of the series so like when that game comes out I'm not going to be buying it on Wii U I'm going to be getting it on NX because like that's going to be the big game for me in terms of NX so Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm sold. I'm sold easily. So, Chris, how are you, how are you feeling then? Um. Yeah, I'm very excited. It, it looks really um surprisingly, I think for me, um, different to to past Zelda Zelda games. They've obviously pulled out all the stops, trying to you know to do something very different. What's interesting is that it it borrows a lot of ideas from from other games. Um, there was even kind of I even sense bits of Far Cry in there, the way you can approach combat situations. And there's there's actually towers there which unlock sort of... Well, they don't unlock, but they reveal certain parts of the map. Um, you know, so it's got that element to it. But it, for me, it was interesting that it was doing some things that a lot of open-world games don't do in terms of just the environmental puzzling um but i saw stuff like that there are elements of shadow of the colossus in there there are elements of um monster hunter in there and just loads of lovely little touches that i've seen so far i'm, I'm trying not to watch too much of it I, I watched the trailer and then i saw i've seen little snippets of it basically mostly via social media and stuff like that there's a lovely little moment yeah. where a link goes into a cold area and I think he's like I don't know whether he started taking damage or something like that, but someone kind of dips yeah, he... into a menu, and then you see him like shivering with the cold shivering. in the menu, and then you put <laughs> kind of warmer gear on him, and then he's fine. Which I just thought, yeah. I, I just thought, right, I I don't want to see any more of this because that is just lovely, and I, I want to experience more stuff like that. One of the big things Nintendo noted was that temperature is going to be is play a big part because you're going to be in the desert, you're going to be in snowy areas. Uh, Link takes a lot of damage if he's not wearing clothes that keep him warm in icy areas, and he, the same if he's in like heated areas, he gets heat exhaustion and that kind of thing. And it even has like in-game tips that are like temperature is a big part of this game. You need to, which means Link's going to be having to swap his clothes. Obviously, we've had the red and blue tunics of the past. This seems a lot more. A lot more customizable. Obviously, in the trailer, you see Link in like a Dark Souls type set of armor, 
Um, he's like full metal armor, which is really cool. Um, but can someone explain to me, and I, I'm super excited by this, how alien does it feel to have elements like collecting mushrooms, collecting apples, or like setting waypoints on a map, very standard, normal, open world game elements, that if they were missing from other games, that game would get deducted points potentially in a review for, you know, oh, why does it not have these very standard uh, things that we see in many open world games that are thought to improve gameplay? Yet when we see them in a Zelda game for the first time, they seem, one, incredibly alien, and two, people are making, like, massive, massive excitement about it. I find that so special about Zelda that Nintendo changing up the formula, because they're obviously known for sticking to the same type of formula over and over again, that even changing it slightly, that now Link gets loot, that is reminiscent of other games like Dark Souls finding weapons in chests and that kind of thing and switching all the time. Something that seems fairly normal now is so exciting in this particular game. Why is that so exciting? Well, I I think Zelda, because of its nature, has, has never been an exploring game. It's been a game with a wonderful visual landscape in pretty much most of the things that it's done as soon as it's developed into 3D and even on the SNES. But there's something about the law of being in the wild and not being able to just plug your way to somewhere to be able to just decide where you're going. And there are a few games that, that sort of do that. They remove that that sort of artificial compass, if you will. I know the Long Dark does it and a few other things. And and I get the sense that the idea of this game, watching the, the limited amount of video <laughs> that I have, including the shivering bit, but is about the wild. It's about that not knowing exactly where everything is supposed to be on point a to point b it's supposed to encourage you to learn the world find the world explore the world and and become part of it in a way and i think that's why it works so well and and doesn't feel artificial at all that it's taken it out can i just jump in very quickly and speaking of exploring the world and all that there i just saw neil gaff fed pop up and i've just gone in to see it and um, from uh, a Zelda demo behind closed door demo um, at the show. It says, and this is from IGN, Nintendo has revealed that the open world in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is 12 times larger than the map in Twilight Princess. And that it represents, that the map, part of the map shown uh, in the demos at E3 just represents 1% of the game's total mm. size. That is uh, that, pretty... That sounds utterly ridiculous, <laughs> doesn't it? I have more! I have more! Sports fans. Um, basically, <laughs> it says there's a section that appears to be 2 kilometers by roughly 1.5 kilometer, And by calculation, the entire map appears to be 360 square kilometers, or roughly <laughs> 140 <laughs> square miles. Which means it's just a tad smaller than Xenoblade Chronicles X, but even still, like for comparison. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait! If it's even a tad smaller than Xenoblade Chronicles X, that was a game built for traversal with robots yeah. that had that had like jet propulsion, 
and still that game was massive even when you had a mech so the fact that you're going to be on a horse riding along on your little opponent or gliding across that game is going to feel absolutely fucking massive (laughs) holy shit Jetpack Zelda confirmed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get your jetpack get your jetpack hey, limited edition hey, amiibo right hey, now hey, pre-order deals. Straight hey, 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 Link, Link, Link has an iPad. Link has an iPad. There is anything can happen. Link has an iPad. Yeah. <laughs> so you never know. <laughs> I mean my concern is 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 how do they marry sort of the really tight design of past Zelda games with an open world is can Nintendo make it dense enough? I mean, the, you want to make it sparse to some extent. You want to make it feel like you are able to explore these vast kind of expanses. I mean, it's 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 finding the right kind of density of of things to do within that world. And um, Nintendo doesn't have a lot of experience in that area. Obviously, Xenoblade Chronicles X is going to be um, a big influence in that regard, and they've clearly. You know they've clearly been looking at that game, um, but it's whether it can. I mean, all the elements I've seen so far are really interesting, but it's whether it can it can marry those two very different sort of disciplines, really very different two very different approaches to game design. Because I mean, Skyward Sword kind of doubled down on the the whole. It made everything really really compact, like the world felt quite small and very sort of self-contained, but it was very very dense. Whereas this seems to be going in completely the the opposite direction. It's very strange because picking up on that point, the one thing that I noticed, and I don't know whether it was on purpose for the demo, but it felt very lonely. Apparently, Link was on his own a lot. Apparently, they took a lot of the NPCs out of the E3 build to avoid spoilers. I, yeah, something about towns. There's meant yeah, to be towns in like that, that area as well. But that seems really strange because I can't imagine NPCs being too much of a spoiler. Like, especially mm. if that is only like, if that area is only like 10% of the mm. whole game area. And if it, if it is that kind of big and they've taken that out, you've got to wonder how much of it they took out so that it actually ran at a decent frame rate and juddle <laughs> yeah, all over the place. And even, I mean, if, if this was running on a Wii U, you, you can imagine that being quite a lot for it to handle. I mean, I think the art style helps in that regard because obviously it's not as like ultra detailed. You've got There is a sense of realism to it, but at the same time, you've got this kind of stylistic thing going on whereas it's not quite sort of full, fully detailed it's not like it's not exactly the witcher 3 is it let's face it um <laughs> no. but i mean so i mean i think maybe that I, I did read somewhere that someone was saying that it is definitely that was definitely running on a wii u but like like sean mm. says i mean maybe they maybe performance is an issue with regard to having all these different elements in there because even when you watch the demo of something that was strange for nintendo is that game stuttered a lot mm. in frame rate and i'm not one to get bogged down in that type of thing it doesn't really bother me but there was noticeable drops um unfortunately years of being a tester you you horribly have to fucking notice those things and mm. they are niggling issues but for a Nintendo demo, and you know Nintendo's quality has always been pretty high, especially when it comes to that type of thing. It was noticeable. The performance did drop quite often, especially when it came and, to combat. And this is the real worry of, of of this game and announcing it now before they've announced anything to do with the NX is because we're seeing it on substandard hardware compared to what they're actually trying to realize it on. So you're looking at a really weird cross development of things working on a console which is presumably at least a generation behind what the NX is going to be, even if the NX isn't going to be anywhere near um, what Microsoft and Sony are doing. 
so you've got a game development cycle where you you're trying to obviously make the best thing that you can and then you're having to pull bits out of the bit so it can work on the lesson machine and stuff like that and it's always going to have those kind of less scope issues it's always going to have those little juddery bugs and screen tears and things like that because these are things that obviously we see but at the same time we're also seeing a wonderful beautiful magical zelda yeah absolutely (laughs) the trailer the trailer i think i don't know the trailer was like it's weird i've not been excited about zelda for a long time but it's a series that i've grown up with and when i was a kid it was the series i talked about the most with my friends and all that kind of thing and the magic i felt in the trailer the music the art the the movement the world oh just such shadow of the colossus zelda vibes from it that extremely happy i mean for all yeah for all that i was saying that it does capture there are certain it does evoke certain elements of different games the the whole kind of tone of zelda also i mean and certainly within that trailer just just feels completely like there's no other game that that quite does that same same thing or at least not in the same way you get a lot of fantasy games that do very similar things and this kind of feels i mean magical is a really kind of soppy way to put it and 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 sort of a nebulous thing but it's i mean that is kind of the best way to describe it it does kind of capture this sort of almost ghibli-esque you know miyazaki type vibe to it just kind of something magical this this weird sort of fantasy world that feels complete and feels really kind of just thought through it feels it's not like the witcher 3 which is magical in a fantasy kind of way but is quite gritty and has Mm -hmm. realistic type human being characters Mm -hmm. this is like off the charts in terms of like whimsy magical exploration child like going on an adventure type thing and i just think yeah this is what we needed from zelda this is how the franchise needs to evolve and yet keep that distinct characteristic of a zelda game and yeah I'm incredibly excited, incredibly excited. So unless someone has something dying to say about Zelda, I think I think we better wrap up the show. And There is the um, Amiibo uh, element, and th- th- this is something interesting, which we were talking about the emptiness of it earlier, is that the Wolf Link Amiibo from uh, the Twilight Princess HD mm. um, yeah, is you you're going to be able use to use it. that as a companion, yeah. and obviously there are horses to ride and stuff like that. So it looks like you, you know, Link is going to be on his own to an extent, but he is going to have these sort of companions with him throughout the adventure. So maybe that kind of helps with the the whole solitude. Thing. Well, it's really strange because the three amiibos, for anyone who doesn't know, are two of them are Link, one of him in the artwork. Both of them are the artwork uh, for the game. One of him pulling the bow back. Uh, firing the bow in the air the other one is him on the horseback with the hood up and then the other one is this really big um guardian like so we've seen the guardians they're the big uh, neon looking things that fire lasers like octopus stone octopus type things and that's going to be an amiibo and i imagine that's going to work similarly to how ganon works in twilight princess where he sort of like maybe makes it hard mode mm-hmm. i don't know yeah i think um, so posable arms yeah, so- as well <laughs> that's vitally important. amiibos are evolving i have i have far too many of them now but now there's three more i need to add um but yeah so unless anyone has any dying thoughts on zelda not so much dying thoughts but I, uh, sorry go on, so. <laughs> i don't say i 
I'm now at the point that I need to see what it is on NX and what NX will do because this is this game isn't coming until next year. I agree. Because they said 2017. Mm. So yeah, I I I think this is great that we've seen it. It's it's great that we know it exists. It's great that we got a rough time. But now we need to see what Nintendo are working on to take the game to the level that it obviously looks like it should be. Yeah, I think. Yeah, on better hardware. I think we need to see, well, not see, but necessarily, def- well, definitely hear when we're going to see NX. So I would say, yeah. hopefully, and I think they should announce when they're going to announce the details for NX, when they're going to show the NX by the end of summer, so that hopefully we'll see the NX. And the game's coming by the end of the year. Because, like Nintendo has said, Zelda and the NX... Zelda's going to be an NX launch title. And they said NX will be coming by the end of their fiscal year, which is March 31st next year. So both of them are coming by the end of March next year. I would say, if that's the case, unless they get pushed, and I sincerely, God willing, if they don't delay this, I would say they have to announce this properly by towards September, October time. Certainly no later than the end of October, early November ish. Yeah. Which would be around which would be around about the time that we get another Nintendo direct anyway. I honestly yeah. think that it's gonna the two are just gonna be the same. It's the as soon as we see the NX, we're gonna see this game running on an NX. I think the rest are gonna be tech demos um to show whatever funkiness is up with the NX. Um, so this game is going to be the thing that we see, uh, with the NX, uh, very similar to Twilight Princess, uh, when, and, and we'll get Donkey Kong, we'll get Donkey Kong straight reboot. <laughs> <laughs> Good callback. <laughs> full circle. We've come full circle. And I think, I think with that note, I think we're going to end the show. Um, so just before we go guys, uh, let's go individually around. Um, please tell me what your game of the show was and, Let's be super cheesy and who you think won as well. So let's start with you, Johnny. What was your game of the show and who do you think won E3 this year? Can we define game of the show by stuff that has been shown as playable or stuff that has only been shown on Twitter form? It can be anything that was in a conference. Let's put it that way. Because you could be excited about Death Standing for like trying to for any reason. So, so I, I'm going to break it down to two. Non-playable Death Stranding, absolutely. It's the trade I've been watching most constantly, non-stop since Monday. I, I, yeah, that's my non-playable game of the show. Um, actual playable game of the show, I would say Horizon. I would say Horizon. Okay. Okay. And Jordan, what about you? I'd say... Oh, uh, sorry, Johnny. Jo- sorry, Johnny. Who do you think won E3? Sorry. Can I, can I break each down, uh, give a grade at each conference, by the way? Um, so... I'm I'm going to give each conference a grade, so bear with me. I'm going to give EA 6 out of 10, Bethesda 8 okay. out of 10, Microsoft 8 out of 10, Ubisoft 9 out of 10. That was a strong press conference. There was a lot of games there that I was certainly interested in. Like, yeah, there was a bit of filler stuff. Um, but yeah, okay. Ubisoft got, got a 9 out of 10 for me. Sony, Infinity out of 10. Best press conference ever. Um, no, seriously. <laughs> seriously, um, 10 out of 10. I thought it was better than okay. last year. Like. The pacing was perfect. There was no filler. All World of All games. That that was the best okay. conference for me. Sony easily. And what about let's say the Nintendo Treehouse? Oh, Nintendo first I, day. I forgot. Um, I would give that a seven. I perhaps would have given it an eight if they didn't go on 
Pokemon for too long because I feel okay. I felt like they blue balled everyone who was waiting <laughs> to watch Zelda <laughs> Pokemon. The biggest cock block of exactly. All time. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I would give Nintendo a seven. Okay, fantastic. So Jordan, what about you? And uh, let's hear your grades as well. Oh god, I'd say non playable, definitely Death Stranding. Playable, I'd have to go Zelda because it just made me squeal like a little kid when the first trailer came up. Best conference would probably be Sony. I'd give them a 10. Microsoft, I'd probably give them an 8. EA, maybe a 6. Ubisoft, I'd probably give 7. Bethesda, a 7 as well. Okay. Then, Sean, what about you? Um, hmm, Playable... Probably Forza Horizon Three because I'm a massive mark for that series. And <laughs> whilst, I, whilst, I lo- whilst I love everything else that's there, that would be that would be the thing I would be playing the most if I was there right now. Uh, non-playable. I'm just intrigued to see what is what is in the mind of Kojima. So I'd have to say that is the most impactful thing there uh, with uh, Death Stranding. Uh, ratings was I've actually I've already gone on record on a piece I did today that <laughs> that said that Sony won. So I, I, Sony have definitely won. I would probably rank Sony as an eight and Microsoft, if not an eight, a seven point five. But I, the reason I say Sony won is because they went straight for games. They did different things. Microsoft were obviously trying to to do their PC thing as well as everything else. So it, it was kind of really no one focus on the Xbox conference. Not that that let it down. It was just a very different thing. Um, I don't think we saw enough playable of anything in the Bethesda show other than Dishonored, so I'll probably give that a seven. Um, EA, probably, yeah, I go with a six. Uh, Ubisoft a seven just because they make me laugh every, every year. Okay. Um, Nintendo, probably a seven because, again, it went on a lot. Can, can, okay, can I just that's fair enough. say one thing about the start of that Ubisoft presser? That was such a Ubisofty fucking thing to do. Seriously. <laughs> at least there was no fucking dancing and singing this time too much yes well well, there was definitely a lot of dancing with giraffes and (laughs) it opened with dancing it's just all dance so strange um and then chris what about what about you um i I mean zelda would be really predictable wouldn't it that would be really quite boring um I I don't know. I, I mean, there was very little that I was really completely dazzled by. So I I would probably say like something like Steep, which I was genuinely quite, which I found quite a, a pleasant surprise. A lot of the stuff that we saw was was very much, you know, stuff we knew about or stuff that was really kind of familiar. It was nice to get a date for the Last Guardian, but in terms of the actual game, Steep uh, and sort of non-playable. I'm really quite excited to see what Insomniac does with Spider-Man. Um, which hasn't really, which we haven't really talked about. Um, Fair enough. In in terms of, I, I mean, I didn't really see the Bethesda conference, so I can't, I can't really give that a grade. Um, EA's was really boring and sterile, I thought. Um, Ubisoft's was really was was typical Ubisoft, just really kind of happy and weird and mad and all over the place. Um, I actually thought. Sony and X, uh, Sony and Microsoft were quite close. I think Sony's kind of felt a little bit sort of impersonal in a weird kind of way. It was just kind of trailer, 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 trailer. Whereas Xbox sort of they they spent a little bit more more time with some of the games. And there's, you know, it did mean the pacing suffered a little bit. But I quite enjoyed that there was a 
you know there, there was a kind of mix of pacing whereas playstation was was just kind of bang 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 and it was very efficient in that respect but at the same time it you know it kind of felt a little bit impersonal like i say um but sony won obviously <laughs> okay and then i think that leaves me then um i think non-playable i'm very interested by what kojima is going to do with death stranding um but I think the Spider-Man game, I think I'm going to go with Chris. I really, really was surprised by how good Sunset Overdrive was. And a Spider-Man game just seems like a lot of fun. I enjoyed swinging around in Uncharted 4 a lot. So doing that as Spider-Man, swinging across the city really quickly is going to be super exciting. So I, I'm going to have to go non-playable Spider-Man. Playable, I don't care what anyone says, Zelda, I think. I That is the only game... In the whole of the whole of E3, that I thought I can't wait for that. That that's what is killing me. I don't want to play games right now because they they won't feel like that game. The when I look at that game, so the the game of the show for me was Zelda. Grading the conferences, are the EA was a five out of ten. Nothing. I I was disappointed by the Mass Effect video. We didn't see enough of it. The Star Wars looks cool, but everything else. Pretty tried and true stuff, so five out of ten. Um, Bethesda, maybe a seven out of ten. Um, only off the back of kind of like Prey looking really interesting and the Skyrim remaster exciting me a little bit. Um, Microsoft, an eight out of ten. I thought Microsoft did okay. Definitely improving in recent years from the original Xbox One disaster. So an eight out of ten for them. Ubisoft. I think a 6 out of 10. Nothing really that they showed excites me. I don't know what it is about Ubisoft games. They don't particularly click with me. Uh, Maybe the South Park game. Uh, Steep looks pretty good, but we didn't really see enough of it. And then Sony. I think Sony has to be a 9 out of 10. The ending of that conference with Days Gone being after Kojima and some stuff being after Kojima, I think was kind of silly and kind of a flat ending to what was a superb conference. So probably a 9 out of 10. Not perfect, but nearly there. And Nintendo, I think, finally. Although Zelda is my game of the show, it wasn't a conference, and it was kind of awkward with the Pokemon, so probably a 6 out of 10, to be honest. Um, But yeah, so I think that's it. I think that's E3. We've done it, guys, in three hours. (laughs) (laughs) We've recapped the whole week. I know. Yeah, I think round of applause for... (laughs) for uh you guys have been working solid hard i know throughout this whole week and i understand we're all extremely tired but i want to thank you so much for coming a very short notice to join me for this very special episode of final games um i hope you all enjoyed it and i i really want to thank you for coming on and i hope that you all enjoy the games that you've seen and they live up to your expectations because that's the least (laughs) that we want really uh, no one wants bad games so let's hope all these games turn out to be great <laughs> um yeah sorry sean you were gonna say something no it wasn't i was just laughing, oh, <laughs> I was just laughing. <laughs> um yeah so thank you once again for joining me um just before we leave then uh where can the lovely listeners uh find you guys we'll start once again with johnny uh, where can the listeners find you on the internet and what would you like them to check out uh so you can find me on twitter at johnny cullen you can also find my web my 
kind of blog portfolio type thing at johnnycone.net. I've written for the likes of Eurogamer, VG247, Official PlayStation Magazine UK, Kotaki UK, among others. And you can find my podcast. Sorry, Liam. Um, at my favorite game. Um, <laughs> uh, you can listen to that at myfavoritegame.net. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at MFG Podcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfavoritegamepod. There's some fantastic episodes, uh, coming up. Uh, we're taking a week off because obviously this week being free. Next week, we got Kelly Santiago talking about Fahrenheit. And there's so many great guests coming up. I'm trying to think of all of them off the top of my head. We've got Dan Pinchback from Chinese Room coming up. We've got, uh, Catherine Woolley, who's now at the Chinese Room as well. And uh, we've recorded her episode while she was at Creative Assembly. We've got Jordan Thomas, like I mentioned way back about a dozen years ago, uh, coming on. And, uh, my favorite episode to come, Alex Neonaki of Naughty Dog. It's going to be a great end of season four. I hope you all check it out. MyFavoriteGame.net. Follow us at MyFavoriteGamePodcast, po- uh, uh, Facebook.com slash MyFavoriteGamePod. And you can follow me on Twitter at Johnny Cole. Excellent. What about you, Jordan? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kona, YMA6. And I, most of my work you can find on Trusted Reviews. And I guess a piece of work you can check out. I did a big breakdown of all the new Zelda information, which I think you can find on the front page at the moment. Excellent. Thank you very much. And Sean, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cleaver Slips, um, where you'll find various hot takes about video games and lots of fanboying for Rick Stein cookery shows. Um, you can check out some video game writing, insertdisc.co.uk, where I'm doing loads of stuff that I don't sell to the marvellous people at Vice and, and various other places. And yeah maybe new podcast starting soon that is absolutely nothing to do with these so you guys don't worry <laughs> but, um, yeah. get out <laughs> uh, in, in interesting things maybe maybe appearing soon but yeah twitter at cleaver slips um don't tell me to get good i already did there you go excellent and <laughs> mr chris Schilling, how about you hello uh yes you can find me on twitter at uh shilling c um otherwise if you can't find my byline elsewhere then you're not looking hard enough uh, <laughs> 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 um, now you can find me in magazines like uh, edge or opm oxm uh, stuff like that sometimes i'm on eurogamer ign vice telegraph um even been known to branch out into film stuff like total film and empire so Excellent. Thank you very much. And you can find me, uh, Mr. Liam Edwards, your host for today. I'm not as smart as these fellas, and I'm not in magazines or anything, although I, I will be soon, maybe. So, yeah, but you can find me on Twitter, at LiamBME. I sometimes talk intelligibly about video games, and then most of the time I'm just shouting about video games. Um, you can also follow this podcast if you've enjoyed this episode. The usual show is very, very different, um, which you can find out if you have a listen this week. We've had Mr. Dan Marshall of Size 5 Games talking to me about Kickman, his wonderful new project, and the eight games he'd take with him to a deserted island. Um, you can find the show at Final Games Show on Twitter. And if you fancy emailing me, you can email me finalgamespodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can check me out on YouTube. I'm making videos a lot recently. I've been doing some freelance stuff for some other people, but I'm actually doing some import reviews for Japanese video games as I'm in a very fortunate position of actually living in Japan. So also do check that out. The first game is going to be the Attack on Titan game from Koei Tecmo. So if you are into anime definitely check that out once again thank you so much to the to chaps for joining me and taking their time out their busy schedules to talk e3 and thank you very much for making it this far and listening to the show so 
thank you once again and we'll see you next time goodbye sayonara see you later bye take this head on soon I'll come around lost and never found